Welcome to this special edition holiday Q&A episode of the Mildly Heroic Podcast, originally aired on Twitch in December of 2020. Welcome! Hello there. To anybody watching this later, this is our holiday stream. Welcome. There's just three of us right now, but Josh will be... Well, technically, Jason's here, yes. Yeah, he just won't say anything and he won't show his videos, so it's almost like he's ghosting us. I'm a silent observer. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that voice? That bodiless voice! We also have a bodiless guest, Sammy Miami, in with us. Um, the star himself. Me? I am not bodyless. I have a body, okay? Now I Jason's very clearly the only have a body. <laughs> and Josh, because he's not here yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said he was supposed to be here, but who knows? He found another Christmas service to go to with his family. <laughs> <laughs> family or Pathfinder? Uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, did you check your DMs, Andrew? Did I check my DMs? Yes, I did. I checked them live on stream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't care. It's nothing. Well, unless it was. Uh... Um, when Josh gets here, uh, we'll we'll swap you out. That yeah. way, you can yeah. moderate the chat. You can be our mod. Our mod. Oh, that's right. I gotta I gotta open up the stream. And I've got a steak waiting for me. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. I, my my buddy, my neighbor, decided to get a uh, grill a little while back. Oh, you put me on the on the stream, you little stinker. Yeah. Well, uh, Discord is. I don't know what you expected. <laughs> that might. Uh, <laughs> you're. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Bye. You're gone. Although Sarah's video is frozen again on my end. Yeah. Now now that's acceptable. Somewhat. Got the grid. Grid pattern working. Well, hello everybody in chat, even though there's nobody here yet. But, uh... There's totally somebody there. Um, uh, tonight, I think we're going to go over some of our favorite moments from the uh, the adventure so far. I know Josh will absolutely have things to, to say <laughs> when he gets on here. Um, we can go it's behind the scenes. The we can go behind the scenes with a production of the recaps a little bit. And Justin can demonstrate some of the miniatures he's working on. Ooh. Including one for our intrepid GM. It is not going well with these years. <laughs> oh. Oh, the power just went out, Sarah said. Yeah, our, pow- our power just flickered. I don't know. It was weird. So I was going to say, I was like, I was like, he just dipped. And Sarah dipped. Oh, dip, that's dope. I'm not gonna lie. Working on uh, once we made the transition to you and me on a call and doing the voice, uh, the lines back and forth with each other, uh, and then recording them as that happened, I feel like you felt more character come out at that point. 
at which point, sorry, I was replying to them, yeah. So, to anybody oh. in the chat, uh, Jason and Sarah have lost power at their house. Josh will be here shortly. And I don't know when or if they'll be back tonight. But if they, if they won't, we will carry on. We will press on. We will... I, I won't leave you, Sammy, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> and I don't mean to. <laughs> are you are you trying to time it up with what happened to the movie according to the song? Yeah, the music that's playing okay. is that scene. <laughs> oh, Sam. The uh, no, I was saying uh, when you and I went from making the recording separately mm-hmm. to working on uh, to doing a call and doing the lines together, it was just I feel like the character just kind of the our, our characters kind of our synergy just kind of blew up at that point. Just, you know, feeling, you know, you got to see, have more of an interaction instead of us just kind of like talking to monitors. Yeah. No, I get me, that. Me, me, me and my quilt. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah. For, oh, but for, uh, for, for those watching or who, who eventually end up watching this Please. for the, for probably, I would say at least half of the episodes, I was recording, no joke, because I wanted the quality of the microphone to be really good. I actually had, I don't have it with me at the moment, but I had a quilt or comforter that was actually drug over me and the two monitors. (laughs) So it was draped around my back, keeping all noise from bouncing out behind. And it was rolled over the, the monitors that I had. So it's keeping Sam from going from behind there. He was basically so, in a tent. <laughs> I literally made myself a little TP, a sound booth TP, <laughs> and it was. It, uh, honestly, I think it. I think it helped. And then uh, towards the end, we just. I, I ended up realizing it didn't make that much of a difference. Plus, I also rotated my uh, desk around, so the sound doesn't sound as bad. The biggest thing I have to do is turn off AC in my wonderful fan over here in the corner <laughs> that's dedication oh yeah especially when you get to you know kind of help uh, add a little little another level of the story to what you guys are doing it's just you know it's one thing to get to watch you guys and then just to see the the uh, camaraderie of Ulrich and uh, Yosef just kind of keep going Absolutely. It's uh, what, what's been your favorite recap that we've done so far, Sammy? I would, uh, I would have to say I'm somewhat biased, and say that the one that I helped story was actually one of my favorites. I won't say that it was like the favorite, but it was like on, on the top. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was all the time. It was just, it was just something different. It was funny, you know. We kind of got to spin off of what we did with a previous episode, mm-hmm. and between that, and then probably, probably the one where I would say maybe the one where you and I were stuck in the cabin. That I, I was uh, that that was just all of them were fun. They were they were all a blast. They were all a blast. It, it's really hard to just put one as my favorite because it was just so much fun. I got to work with you. 
got to hop in and see everything happen with, you know, the story and stuff like that. So it's it was cool. It was cool. I agree. Uh, that was a fun one to work on. And in, in, in that, uh, as we're walking to the cabin, changing the, the sound mixing so it sounds like we're in a cabin. And oh. so you have that, that changing reverb. Uh, I also have really enjoyed having a bunch of other guests on throughout oh, yes. the series. Oh, yes. 100%. You and Shang and Rich Red and Zovius and, uh, and, um, shoot. I know there's one more person I'm, I'm trying to think You're of. You're Josh's boss. Yes, Julian from Pops. King Culture. Julian. <laughs> it's King Julian. He's King of the Fools. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the experience. Let's see, when did we start when did we start doing this, Justin? Do you remember what month we started our adventure in Feindar? <clears throat> it's like twenty twenty weeks ago. Um wow. twenty, twenty two weeks ago, so uh what are we at there? That would be five almost six months ago. So what back like in like June? June? Yeah, that's June? what I was thinking. summer adventure and it's come all the way into winter and a a total of how many days has passed oh we're getting somebody sarah's back welcome sarah's back we'll see if it lasts it flickered for a long time and then it went out and then it came back on and then it flickered and then it went out again and so i'm not confident that it's gonna last but we'll see (laughs) sorry to interrupt the conversation welcome back Thank you. We were talking about our uh, favorite scenes or our favorite recaps. Uh, I, I was going to say, I forgot to mention, Andrew, the one where the, we were in the market at the beginning, just you, your sound, your sounds. Uh, how would you call that? Your sound, sound mixing, engineering, sound mixing, sure. just really, just really made them come alive. I, I remember when I would listen to them first and put on my headphones i was just like whoa this sounds like this sounds like i'm actually like in somebody's shoes you know a, a part of the journey i was like wow that's, like, that's actually kind of cool <laughs> thank you thank you I, I appreciate that it's been it's been fun editing those it's been another way to kind of flex some creativity get oh, those yes. juices flowing uh and it's only been it's only been increased by the dedication and acting skills of our current party, including Sarah. Hey, we got Jason on camera, folks. It's a Christmas miracle. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't want my desktop to be on if the power is going to keep turning on and off. So I'm going to have to just after all. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. You smile? What? <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, he does. I, I was gonna say, usually, usually it's followed by. Hold on, hold on. Let's see if I can do this. Hold on. <laughs> okay, hold on. Usually, it's usually it's kind of like this is like the only view we really ever see. <laughs> he has the uh, the mustache, the, the, the mic mustache. He's like the guy from Home Improvement, the guy that stood behind the fence. Yeah. You just never saw his face. Shoot, it's been so, so long since I've seen that. I don't know who. I don't remember the character's name. 
Is it Wilson, or am I thinking that just because no, that's of right. Cassie? That's right. Is yeah, it that's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Mike Nose Club. <laughs> I try the, to keep mine out Mike, of sight. The Mike Stash. I've been decent about keeping mine out, but it's just you kind of have to like angle it, like kind of halfway in and halfway out. Hmm. Yeah. And it also depends on the camera view too. Give you guys a peek of what I'm working on. <sighs> there I am. This is trying to put supports on Jason's Ratman character, Longtail. Hey. Wait, how do I see yeah. this? Do I just you, click? you gotta du- you double click it? So nifty. Yo, Whoa. Sammy, do you mind? Is it okay if I ping everyone in the uh, in the? No, go, no, 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 dude, dude, go, dude, go for it. It's seven. It's before seven o'clock. The only time I tell you not to is when it's like midnight. Fair enough. How dare you ping me, dude? Like, <laughs> what the heck? I'm like, <laughs> so is is he not going to have any hair, Jason? What do you mean? Like, he's a, he's a, he's a rat man. He's got hair all over. I don't know. His skin looks silky smooth. Oh man, I I walked in onto something. (laughs) (laughs) You sure did. Hello, everyone. Hello. Gosh. I will have video shortly. Nice. It's been an exciting evening so far. (laughs) (laughs) Are we streaming already? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well then, hello, everyone. Oh, oh man, I am so excited for tonight. I'll be right there, however. Yeah, I've been I've been p- making some big promises um, on Discord and random Discords that I've been dropping promos for that we're going to discuss the story and adventure so far, some of the characters, and answering people's questions if they have any. So I hope you all are ready for some loaded. No, people have questions. No, <laughs> no way, people have questions. Oh, I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm going to ask the snot out of questions. Question. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm gonna ask questions. Sam, you be not interviewer. <laughs> Heck no, dude. I, I, I was here for the. Well, I won't say. He's got video, man. He's one step ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, beat it. All beat right, it. all right. You know what? Why don't I just leave? Sam, you know? the, the <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I just. Knocked over a cup. Hold on. Sam All right, can you all hear me good? I'm switching mics here. Yeah, that's much here, better. Much here, better. I'll, here, 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 I'll turn my camera off to be like you. Oh, come on now. I'm getting there. Voice and video. Let's get this video up and running. Well, let's <laughs> go take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> your, your camera has to boot up. Uh, you joke, but that's actually kind of sort of true. Kind of, I have the most kind of accurate. warm up. Yeah, it's kind bit. of. Yeah, I've got the jankiest setup in the world. I use my I plug my phone via USB C into my oh. desktop. Yeah, and what, uh, do you do the uh, Android cam? That is Android oh, cam. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I actually, I actually paid for the HD version, and it really doesn't give you that much more quality. I don't think it possibly could. 
<laughs> I mean, I think I noticed a little bit, but they were like HD quality unlocked. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. I can't <laughs> wait. And then I go to try it. I'm like, this is not HD. Well, given enough time, I may surpass you all because I technically have the internet to stream higher quality. I just lack the hardware. So maybe Who's one of those. Whose fault is that, Josh? It's Who's my own. It's but, the opposite hey. for me. <laughs> <laughs> That might change here in a moment. Holy cow. I'm like trying to hit a nice average. Average internet, average hardware. We're getting there slowly, <laughs> slowly. I do have to say, I was very tempted. Um, so I was on Reddit the other day, and uh -oh. I saw a Reddit thread that was basically a GM saying they had just finished Iron Fang Invasion after two and a half years of playing. Uh -oh. He's like, ask uh -oh. me anything you want. And I was like, oh, I, oh, I saw that. I want to read it. I saw that same thread and I forwarded it to Jason because the temptation was like, I was like, buddy, yeah, and it was real. I was like, enjoy this on my behalf because I cannot participate despite the incredible <laughs> desire to. Because I, I, I don't, I'm not super active, but every once in a while, I'll even comment on Reddit threads. And if there's a good discussion going, I'll participate. And People that was want one me to be a follower because I don't, I don't, I have, I don't do any activity whatsoever. YouTube. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm good for Twitch chat. That's about it. Oh uh, man. Well, this now I know how you guys feel with Rune Lords because there's so much Rise of the Rune Lords content out there. Basically, have to skip every other post on the Pathfinder Reddit. Just oh. about. I wouldn't say it's that often, but it's often enough that it's like, hey, Rise of the Rune Lords spoilers. It's like, oh man, I better just finish that so I can read <laughs> and participate. That's fun. Oh man. I hope I didn't interrupt a vital conversation, though. I well, Last I heard, we were discussing hair on people things rats. rats on rats yes rats is that a different kind of character you're you're working on jason your rat that, folk character uh vicket longtail is my investigator rat folk character that i'm is currently the main character of uh my of my for sarah's rise of the rune lords he's my character for our, our main party yeah, we have two parties because we're that yeah. cool. And we're trying to convince our DM to allow us to maintain having two parties. I don't want to handle eight PCs. Which she will totally do. She said off the record, but, you know, a man <laughs> or a woman or anyone is only as good as their word, I think. <laughs> I said and that. I, Yep, she said it to me. <laughs> yep. See, this is how people get misquoted. Nope, nope. I have no was, knowledge uh, of that. It, nope, it was a private conversation. No one else was there to bear witness. But you said That's to dangerous. me, you said, don't worry, Josh. You'll be able to play both of your PCs in my campaign. Don't worry. I'll work it out. It's going to be great. That's what you told me. <laughs> I remember that. In other so, words, she's going to bend the rules for you. Yeah. <laughs> So I do have to say, my sister is watching, and she wants us to go back to the part where we make fun of Jason. Oh, <laughs> she oh, said that April's was funny. Oh my gosh! Which part was that? Probably with the microphone, like in front of your face. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm just appreciating uh, seeing your cat in the background, Sarah, on the little tree. He's <laughs> still there. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. The stinker is there. Yes. Hey, we have Hello, Josh. Hey. hey, how is everyone? 
good. It's good to be here formally. Santa and Mikhail. yeah, I can make fun of Jason. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Sammy, we I was need actually video to, to balance it out right now. Right now, there's only. Oh, five I was. Videos. I was actually. I was actually thinking the same thing. <laughs> there you go. Now we're symmetrical. There we go. So I'm nervous because my sister just texted me and said that we were supposed to be answering questions. And she's like, I have questions. Oh, please. (laughs) If she asks any questions, don't answer. Is she asking questions on Twitch? Where's she she asking these things? I don't know. She's probably watching on YouTube. Oh, I guess I got to pull up. I got to get the streams up. I got to answer people's questions. (laughs) All right. We're so popular. We'll have so many questions. From relatives. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well. Anyway, I forgot, I forgot you. Thank you, Exovius. I feel like a beautiful <laughs> person. I appreciate that. <laughs> we got Zovius in here. Yes, hey, we do. My man, Zovius. Hey, Zovius was the one with the intimidating voice. You guys like to voice act it um, yes. the guard. Oh, uh, hey, awesome. Thank you. And once again, still, I'm not scared about it anymore. But I appreciate <laughs> what you did. The effect you had on me as an individual. <laughs> <laughs> I've always told him his voice was thick, so. Nice. Nice. Cheers, nice. by the way, to the Marley Heroic Podcast and all of you present. You guys are so cool. Oh, I got myself some eggnog. <laughs> How's everybody, including everybody in Is chat? Is it special eggnog, Josh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that includes that extends to chat. Chat, how is everybody's holiday season going so far? Anybody been doing anything special yet, or is that reserved for once we get a little closer to Christmas or whatever holiday you're spending your time with? Oops. Apologize for the the Discord sounds in the background. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I'm I'm uh, here. Did- did you guys go over your favorite scenes in uh, not the yet. story yet? Not yet. We've, okay. Uh, that we we're, were saving that. We're saving it. Oh. Um, oh, I'm touched. We're uh, we're opening it up to I... any viewership question times or Sammy, if you have any questions, any non-player GM questions, can be feel free to ask. Be asked right now. <laughs> uh, what yeah, were you saying, Sammy, you... Josh? I say Sammy can ask me anything. Oh, that's a loaded. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of what my favorite scene would be, but it's so hard. I'm trying to think back to all of the. I know. I know exactly what my favorite scene is. Like, don't even have to think about it very hard. Is it the Elwood scene? No, actually, it's. Well, I would say here. This is why it's cheating. Elwood is not technically part of this because that the C that matters was not part of what we ended up actually streaming. So I would say that that was probably single-handedly my best role-playing experience ever. Nobody got to see it. Nobody got to see it because it was so early on. It was so well. We got to see his death. They did. That that part was streamed. They did get to see that. That That scene. That scene did get in, and I think that that captured. With the help of Jason incorporating some of the backstory, mm-hmm. that that helped capture a bit of what it was like. But I would say that, that was the first time that I had really felt like I had taken on someone else's feelings for myself, which is not something that I would say I always have that experience. Even playing some of my favorite characters, I don't 
feel what they feel. I don't empathize. And so that was really cool. But my favorite scene in the uh, the actual Mildly Heroic podcast published editions of Visions of Feindar is not that one. It actually involves some more player interactions. Hmm. So, because those are my favorite moments when um, you kind of just, everything is gone except for the game, you know? <laughs> the, the world peels away for a moment and all that exists is you inside whatever fiction you guys are telling together and when you can participate in moments like that with other people and you all lose yourselves in your characters and you have some great moments uh it's it's those things that are really touching and what's been nice about this particular group of individuals dare i say Mm -hmm. uh is that there has been a lot of really really cool scenes Means that even if I wasn't directly involved in, I was able to feel a part of and, and enjoy just as much watching various performances and scenes that I thought were stellar. So that's definitely impacted my opinion on what I think is the best. Game. Yeah, I I don't know. There have been some really good role play moments. I think I, interestingly enough for me, I'm not a super like emotional person in front of other people, but the scene <laughs> with Nayari and her brother, I was like, Aww. this is awful. Why, why do I have to go through this? Like, why do I have to do this? This is really not cool. And I'm like, I'm not going to get emotional like that on camera. Especially <laughs> when, people. Especially like, that's when not right. you're playing Nayari and, and her brother is being played by your brother. What, that's a, yeah, a, right? a very, uh, <laughs> hits close to home dynamic there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one was that one was good, but also terrible. And of course, the unrecorded. Oh man, I wish we had recorded that that episode that you're talking about, Josh. That one <laughs> session we had. Oh, oh man, it would have been so there, good. There, there's something to it though that, that I take comfort in. It's it's a magic that's just for us, and that's, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I it, it would have been nice to bring other people in a part of that. But, um, you know, it, it, it still holds a special place in, in my heart. That scene was uh, amazing, though. And it was a lot of prep work. And I actually, what's really funny about it was it was, I didn't want it to happen at all. <laughs> but I had actually talked to Jason. I was like, hey, Jace, so from what I understand about the introduction of the Iron Fang invasion, there's a very good chance that, like... Not only will your character potentially die, but depending on your character's convictions, they might not have any choice but to, like, stay behind, you know? And he's like, well, no, not really. There's plenty of ways to escape and that kind of stuff. But somewhere in me, I knew that that might be what happened. And there were... It was literally a difference of two rounds. Two in-game rounds where other (laughs) people at the parties made certain choices that resulted in what happened because if so, if two different things didn't happen that that would have not have been Elwood's tale so I owe just as much to everyone as much as I do to my own professional prep work but... <laughs> yeah well I struggled with that so much about what Nairi would do in that situation and I think she made the wrong choice for her just with her backstory and that oh, really, really affected her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in in the grand scheme of things, it was what she would have done, but in her mind it was the wrong choice. I think those are really hard. really fun to explore when you know that your character is going to have 
regrets, but that they aren't a fault of your like role play. Like it wasn't my incompetence that my character would regret this. It's like it it shapes them to have that ongoing opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really fun to explore for sure. Real quick to interject, we got some interactions in the chat. Zovia says, My wife plays a few D&D games and she's so super excited for you guys, but also very jealous of the production quality. <laughs> Thank you, Zovia. Oh Zobias. man, if you can see what we work with. <laughs> tell, your, tell your wife uh, we said thank you and uh, I'm, I'm glad she gets the opportunity to have that kind of experience. Even if, you know, the production quality if you will isn't um what we pretend to have (laughs) i I don't even yeah i would i would i wouldn't put those words to call honestly you guys do a great job honestly Uh, you know it's it's not not necessarily you guys guys have tools before (laughs) you and you guys have just done a really great job of using those tools as best as you can to get the best outcome that you could i think that that's definitely true although it's funny when we first started this and jason is a big testament to this too it was very important that we never got lost in the show like at least for me the way i feel about it is that it's it's just it's just my tuesday game night (laughs) the fact that we're streaming is an afterthought um and i have taken comfort in that i think that that is still the way each of us play the game we all act to what we're comfortable with not to what some fictional audience or real audience uh expects of us and so that's been really really fun um and that's why my encouragement i work at a game store and one of the things i always tell people when they buy dice or buy a new game system is you know may your tables be filled with with stories to tell because one of my favorite things to do is when people come in and they say oh you play D &D," and i go yeah i love it and they're like oh this one character that i played was super fun and they tell me what it does or what weird thing (laughs) or this one scene that we did we had this guy do this crazy thing and the whole party was laughing and it was crazy and i i just wanted to keep role playing forever i love hearing those stories and so being able to share that you don't need to do any of this to participate (laughs) in that kind of storytelling you can just swap stories the next time you run into future players so whatever you do and if you start role playing do have fun with it because i i think last zovius replied again said he was embarrassed to do the voice lines at first but after his wife listened to them doing them she was getting super jelly so he had a lot of fun doing it <laughs> so wait it's you did fun. it despite her <laughs> yeah uh, so i i have a question kind of to kick this off and i've already talked to jason about this but i don't know if he's ever said to this audience or whatnot but jason what made you want to pick Iron Fang Invasion as Ooh. your first Paizo official campaign? Ooh, and I'll just interject. Like I'm I'm currently running Rise of the Rune Lords. And to me for me, like that was my first GMing, <laughs> you know, moment. And Rise of the Rune Lords is Paizo the very first adventure path that they did. So it kind of made sense that it was a jumping off point. But, you know, Jason, what made you pick up Iron Fang Invasion and run that one? So I think a lot of it was the limitation of what APs I had. So <laughs> I have I have Giant Slayer. I have Iron Fang Invasion. I'm getting Hell's Rebels soon. And I could have gotten any of the other... Well, probably could have gotten any of the other ones. Maybe not in a hard copy form, but in PDF at least. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do more of a grittier style of a campaign, which 
I narrowed down to like Giant Slayer, Iron Fang. There's probably some others that fit into that category, but those were the two that I was looking at. And since the GCP is doing Giant Slayer and Josh and Sarah have seen pretty decently into that AP, I felt I would do something that they knew nothing about. So if you want to talk about production Sweet. quality, just watch the GCP and you realize that <laughs> there's different tiers. If anybody isn't familiar yeah, with you're it, actually dedicating chat. yourself. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think, I I think if, you're actually, if you're actually dedicating yourself to make a show, yeah, a lot more effort goes in and you can make it a lot better. That's for sure. I think Iron Fang was a was a great choice though. It's had for me a good balance of role play and very serious combat. That's also like it's not there's some throwaway combats that we've had, but most of them most of them take some serious thought. Like from a tactical and a role play perspective, they take a, a degree of player skill to make their way through. They're not just give me's, which I really enjoy. I guess my only thing is like eventually I can tell I am never gonna want to play another RP tabletop RPG for a while where I have to fight a hobgoblin or a goblin. <laughs> never. Like I'm gonna have my fill of hobgoblin goblin combat for a while. Like, and I'm gonna have a distinct hatred for them that didn't really exist before <laughs> Iron Fang. You know, like I didn't hate goblins before. I can already tell I'm gonna hate goblins by the end of this. Like, but that's so that, fitting because Orin has that trait, that hatred like, for hobgoblins. Any character though, it's gonna be like this, this like hate <laughs> that just permeates from Justin. Just, like any tabletop adventure, I I'll be playing like a Star Wars tabletop adventure. <laughs> And if it looks like a goblin, I'm going to have, like, <laughs> external racism towards it because of Iron Fang invasion. Like, I just, I, I'm going to hate goblinoid creatures forever. <laughs> just means we dip into Pathfinder 2nd Edition and they're actually a playable race. And yeah. starting the party is a goblin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, that's going to be a terrible interaction for me. <laughs> they uh, are. Yeah. Say, they are technically playable in first edition if you they are well like they what's are gonna happen, playable. what's gonna happen is someone's gonna pick to play that right and no matter what character i have they're gonna be like yeah well i don't understand why you hate goblins and i'll be like have you heard the tale of narmathus what they did <laughs> are you not familiar with what they did no i thought not it's not a story they'd tell you let me tell you though well all we have to do is play hell's vengeance and then you're all evil and i, I don't even know where that is in the chronological story of things but you know then you, you could just not hate goblins because you are an evil person, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it. You could be a goblin. That's what I need to do. I'll need to play a goblin yeah. to, like, educate myself on the, the goblin yeah. struggle. I don't hate goblins internally. You the know? goblin struggle. Uh, uh, there's no there's no credence of truth for that in this party. <laughs> we all laugh. No. <laughs> I have told Sarah that I would allow someone to play a hobgoblin, but they would have to realize there's a high chance the other PCs would just kill them before they did anything in the campaign. So. <laughs> Actually, way back when, and I, I didn't want to do this because I didn't want to be that guy, 
you know, I, I thought about Hobgoblin as one of my potential uh, original PCs to bring in. It just would not work as the introduction to the story. It'd be funny to bring one in now and see how the party reacts to that. Like, it'd still be tough. I think well, that like, I'm pretty sure we kill you just outright. If you I fired an arrow. I think Aiden would. Aiden would just loose an arrow. <laughs> just like, walk out, loose an arrow. Like, immediately. <laughs> yep. Jason, April asks, who is your favorite bad guy that you've played so far? And Zobius said he played a goblin mage in the only D&D game he's ever played, and he imitated a WoW goblin with the Jersey accent and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Okay, I like that. I like goblins in WoW, so that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably the, uh, the bad guy that I had the most fun playing was Malgrim at the uh, the shrine that war priest you guys uh, fought. Yeah. Mm. Well, he was a fun build because he had PC levels, didn't he? Yep. He had levels yeah. of war priest. It's yeah, always fun. Kind of... Stacks yeah. and stacks <laughs> of buffs on buffs. Yeah, right? Sarah, that was my favorite my favorite interaction though was like Sarah having burning hands and like oh, holding we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. The entire <laughs> combat she holds it and uses it at a perfect instance for Jason to be like, Yeah, but I mean <laughs> <laughs> I literally I was literally talking to my coworker like, about oh. that today. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, that's brutal. Just, Isn't it? <laughs> it goes because we were talking about like fudging, fudging rolls and dice and that sure. kind of thing. The philosophy of RPGs, and you know he was talking, and we we're like, yeah, my DM doesn't. And no. he, goes, he goes, yeah, do you have an example? And I go, oh, do I? Oh, do I? <laughs> oh, do I? Thanks I for the follows, obviously. He was he was dazed. He, he couldn't believe it. He's like, oh, wow, that's bad. He's <laughs> like, did yeah. you win in the end? I said, barely. Barely. Goes, oh, yeah, see, that's the thing is, like, I completely forgot that he had resist energy fire. So it wasn't until I went to his character sheet and started marking off the damage that I happened to see it out of the corner of my eye. So, yeah. Let's so see. what do you think about that villain made it the most fun for you to play like the the drama that led up to it the fact that he had pc levels like i personally as a dm like playing bad guys that are familiar to me and like character cheats so i think that that's the fun part but what what for you made it fun well i don't think it was necessarily the fact that he had pc levels uh there's a bunch of enemies you guys have fought that have actually had pc levels um i think it was just that he had a lot going on and he happened to show up at a time in the story where there was a really big combat and a very personal struggle going on so i just thought that a lot of different factors were coming in together and it was just a a nice moment in a nice combat well what i think is interesting about him is he didn't have a whole lot of like lead up as far as to like face him he was just the bad guy we encountered there you know he wasn't some big bad evil we had met earlier if I'm, unless i'm mistaken he cameoed in one of the visions that nayari saw mm-hmm. right but other than that no right compared to you know some of the hobgoblins that we met shortly after the invasion or we got to see during elwood's duel that we might come to face later um those i think will be more interesting when we get to them but I do think that 
did a great job of bringing that small interaction, that small part of the story that he played uh, to life, especially with like the ritual that was going on and like the desecration of the shrine and us having our own thing that we wanted to accomplish there. I thought that that set up a very good dynamic. I agree. I agree. Mm, absolutely. Sammy, I agree. <laughs> did you have any questions, Sammy? Um, oh yeah, you had a question. Where did Toreg's tongs come from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how, did, how, did, how did that? How did that come to life? That's a good question. Uh, I shouted it after being resurrected <laughs> once. I think is the yeah, first said, time I Torag's used it. tongs that hurt when we after yeah. being resurrected. Tongs that hurt. Battle against the, the yeah against Maybe the troglodytes after meeting the den mother. Yeah. So yes. that's like part of like his like uh, it's part of his like um. Uh, like religion, isn't it? Like the tongs and stuff. Like it's it's like tongs and hammer. Like blacksmith tools are like his his symbols. And so after I read that, I just thought it'd be fun, something fun for a dwarf to shout whenever he takes a lot of damage. So now anytime uh, Orn gets uh, knocked unconscious, when he becomes conscious again, that is now his new catchphrase: is Torox tongs every time well, he gets back up. We all know the real reason is that he was actually very jealous of Aiden's catchphrase. I wonder about I wonder that. About that. <laughs> I wonder about that. And so upon hearing another character with such a memorable catchphrase, he just right. said, I had to have one. Yeah, that is exactly what happened. Actually, was I was really jealous, and yeah. I was like, "I'm like, oh man, Josh's character has two catchphrases already, and I don't have a single one. This is ridiculous." Uh, that's what, what, what was the first one? Uh, I agree with and fill in name of character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with Theros, or I agree with Orin. No, no, it was. Yeah. It was. Or, or, it was I, think, I think so and so is right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think so and so is right. Let me get it right. It's, I think so and so is right. I think yeah. Theros is, is, is right. I think uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, and then it morphed into. I wonder about that. I have a punchable face. <laughs> Or it's it's true freedom. That's his third catchphrase. <laughs> true freedom, and it's like, oh god, here we go, here we go. It's just it's so funny because it's such a far like stretch from who I am personally. I think it's like whenever you hear that part, it's like insert uh, epic epic uh, epic uh, build up speech to something about. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny because I, I told Jason that in listening back, I've been listening back to all of the episodes or whatever you call them, and I feel like we as people are so afraid of like getting angry with each other because a lot of our conversations <laughs> will be so like, much. well, I understand where you're coming from, but I disagree. Or <laughs> I get that a lot with Aiden and, and Nayari. It'll be like, Aiden, I understand what you mean. Oh. But it's because they're both good characters. Uh, like, like good alignment. two characters you get so close to throwing down sometimes. <laughs> and then I'm sitting here like, it's going to happen this time. <laughs> they are going to throw down. We're about to get some PvP. And then, I, 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 and then one of you backs down. And I'm like, I, I think, no! I think, I think I had told Andrew once that I think I was listening to one of the episodes where <laughs> Nayari was like, literally just she was pissed and <laughs> and, and and i i literally I, I think i told andrew later i was like dude i could feel 
the tension. It was so. It was. I was like. I was like, dude. I, I almost felt uncomfortable listening to it because it was just like it literally just felt so real. And I was just like, wow. It was that but argument like, after the rock scorpion trying to grab the bag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was that was the night that we didn't actually stream and we didn't have video. So honestly, like not looking at you guys really helped me to be able to like channel my inner because I'm non-confrontational to a T. I don't like confrontation. It was hilarious though because you were so you, mad you, at you Orin, <laughs> and then it got transferred to Aiden, and I was like, you did, you did, you, you, did a, you did a great job. You did a. Great you were job. like, you laughed at me, I and I'm like, I was like, I was Yo. like. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> like, 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 it doesn't matter who laughed. I felt if, that. <laughs> like, everything she was mad about was the stuff I did, and I didn't caught the flag for it, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, it's it's great because here's here's a good segue. I'm gonna yeah. let it happen. My favorite scene, my favorite scene that we've done together so far, is that fight." I thought it was so good and long overdue <laughs> that when the two characters finally came to a head, because they had been disagreeing and bickering the, the whole time, uh, that it just was so authentic. And it also finally put into words two parts of their characters that had yet been explored. So, like, we learned that Niari was engaged. Like, that came out of nowhere and carried tons Wait, of baggage. Yeah, that was it. Her sister, no, 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 yeah, her, her sister, her Ilica. sister. Ilica, her brother yeah. and Ilica, yeah. Right, they so were close. supposed to be. Right, they were supposed to be married. It was all supposed to be happy. We mm -hmm. had, we didn't have any of that prior, like not even mm -hmm. in the slightest. And so that finally came out. And then Aiden's whole like where he's coming from about like why it's so important for him to fight for this also came out. And it was just finally putting into words motivations that hadn't yet been declared. So it was really, really uh, good, I think, in a yeah. lot of ways. And what's been nice about it is it's not just something that we had happen and then ignored like it's affected i think their relationship uh moving forward and the way that they talk to each other like you mentioned they're always like treading carefully um and also the way that they talk to each other and the way they feel about each other i think is largely impacted by that great difference between them um that they just don't see eye to eye on some things they just don't um, and it's fun to see that work together in a group that has to because of the situation. But just yeah. remember, you always have a friend in Nayari. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my friend. gosh. So I always have a friend in Nayari. Hearing so Josh talk, I realized something that happened during that scene that I don't know if people have context for. So um, Nayari accused Oren of doing the same thing as he did with the shield when he basically told her to give him the haversack. And and I realized just now that that wasn't recorded. Like that scene with the shield and yeah. everything wasn't part of a recording. So they oh, have no that's context. Right. Thanks yeah. for the follow, Why Kenter Parker. Yeah. 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 So um so basically in the in the buildup, the part one that we didn't record, um, Nayari found this shield that her employer, Kining, was hiding. And it had a symbol of, who is it? Who's that evil deity? Yeah. 
Droskar. So it has the emblem of Droskar on it because Kynning worships Droskar. And Droskar is like a really bad deity for dwarves. Um, I guess he's got a lot of contention with Torog and whatnot. So uh, Orin saw that and was like, you can't use that. You can't use that shield. That's that's an evil shield. And Nayari, not being a religious person, not knowing dwarven <laughs> deities, was like, well, I'm going to use the shield. You're not going to tell me what to do. And eventually like, there was some bickering back and forth about it. And um, bad stuff would happen. And they'd be like, it's because you have this shield. So finally, at one point, <laughs> at one point she just throws the shield away and is like, fine. If you don't, if if I die because of this, it's your fault and whatnot. So there was some there was some tension between Orin and Nayari very early <laughs> yeah. on. With Orin's the shield. like, but did you oh. die? <laughs> <laughs> but did, did you, you die though? Out? You would have if you kept the shield. <laughs> yeah, but did you die though? No, then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I must say one conflict that has not yet arisen, and I'm kind of surprised it hasn't arisen yet, and I look forward to when it happens, is between uh, Aiden and Theros. I knew it was coming up. It's it's gonna come to a head. I just, the situation's gotta be right, because Aiden's gotta be pushed. Like, right now, I think he is embracing the, the, the pissy stage of, you know what, forget everyone, like, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing. I don't have the mental energy to deal with all of this, you know? But he can be pushed past that, and it's gonna it's gonna happen, and it's gonna be really good. What's amazing to me is we didn't talk at all, like not at all, and it is amazing the way that those backstories interact in such a, a, a dynamic way. Yeah, such a dynamic way that forces some really cool potential moments that I. As much as I'm looking forward to them, I'm not looking forward to roleplay. To, 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 to borrow what Sarah mentioned earlier about not being being somebody who likes to avoid conflict, that whole exchange between Theros and his dad last session, I had a pit in my stomach the whole time <laughs> acting that out because that's not me at all. <laughs> uh, but I, I felt... I felt like I was an outsider looking in at this thing happening, and I was just responding the way I felt that Theros as a character is written. And I'm like, oh, this hurts so bad. I can't talk to my dad like this. I want resolution with my mom, but like, that's not Theros. <laughs> and just right. being able to separate um, myself from the story being written in a way uh, that I could tell it just, whew, that was a real challenge, but it was fun. <laughs> What surprised me was that Theros was beyond convincing whatsoever. Because I thought uh, your dad made a couple of good points. Like, you know, like trying to facilitate a healthy reunite. And you're just not having any of it. They're just like, nope, that she shouldn't have done that. Nope, that she shouldn't have done that. No. Like, you just, you're, you're so stuck in, not you. Theros is so stuck in his way that I love that. It's so good. And it's funny, though. Because it reminds me of Jason. I don't know if you mean to do this, but you are occasionally always trying to pacify the PCs with some of your players. <laughs> because when Niari was upset with Elwood and talked to Aubrin, he even had Aubrin kind of be like, no, no, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, it, I think it depends on the NPC. Like, Aubrin is yeah. going to try to calm things down as much as possible. She's in not a leadership position, but she's in a position where she knows that you're all going to die if you fall apart like that. Right. So she's going to try to calm things down immediately. Other situations, I was going to try to escalate, and you guys <laughs> calmed it down before I could. 
Oh, yeah. Lee Fang. Yeah. Lee Fang. Oh, I, I love that. that. I was going to like, how hard did you want to go on that one? Like, did you like, want to go further on that one? Oh, absolutely. I had, I had arguments that I was uh, thinking about while I was driving. I was kind of running them through in my head because I figured there was going to be something going on. But Sure. I think truth be told, there are some very good arguments. And I know that as PCs, we just dismiss those gripes that people would have. But, like, there are some very legitimate reasons to call into question our ability to lead, <laughs> let alone how <laughs> successful we've been. Um, so I was surprised that that was able to be dealt with quickly. I think there was part because Orin got so pissed and was going to was gonna leap mm. into it. And that's what spurred Niar and I did into action. Just like that. Yeah, that oh, I don't yeah. think that they would have done otherwise. Yeah. So who have we asked so far? We've gotten my favorite part. Who else was the other person? We have Sarah? No. Oh, I don't know. I'm still trying to think of one. Sammy has well, a question I, for I guess you, Jason. I... Oh, sorry. Ooh, you... what? What? Sammy says... Oh, go ahead, Sammy. You can ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy says... <laughs> I was just like, I was just like I'm Joseph is wondering. Like, huh, uh, dear Jason, I've, I've got to question for you, lad. How hard? How hard was it to GM this journey? Uh, to be honest, it wasn't too bad. But that's primarily because I spent a long time before we started going over all of this. Just because a couple months or so, whatever, before we started actually doing this campaign i had a lot of free time because of uh furlough weeks and whatnot so yeah i didn't have a lot of stuff to do so i figured you know what i might run iron fang someday so let me just put most of everything in <laughs> roll 20 and just get it all around so i had already read all six books i read book one two or three times all every all of the icons had been made i made all that stuff before we even started so by the time we started the campaign I didn't actually have to do all that much more. Uh, I needed to get everybody's backstories, and I thought up a couple ways to tie them in and whatnot. But session to session, I just kind of read ahead uh, a page or two of where I think we'll be, and, and that's that's about it for the time being. Once we get to like books three and four, it's going to be different because I <laughs> I'll have to reread those. But uh, at the start, I I pretty much had everything pre pre planned. Mm. Nice. So along those lines, what has surprised you the most as far as things you can't account for, like PC action, without spoiling anything if you can't? What has surprised me the most? Well, I don't think there's been anything major that has surprised me, but there was the one session where you guys just did something completely different than what I thought you were going to do. Like, oh, when we were going to the... The whole scene where you guys <laughs> went back to Thandar... And then you were like one or two hexes away, and you're like, nah, we're just going to turn, go the other direction. I was like, I have not prepared the other direction. I didn't read that part. I thought you guys were going here. So you guys encountered York, and I was just like, okay, I guess I'll just run with this. And I'm literally reading the section about York as we're talking about him in the session. So that was the one time that you surprised me just because you went a different route than I thought. That's but... because we lied. That's different. Yeah. Well, yeah, to be I, fair, I, I think. Noticed. I think the big part of that was we hadn't fully figured out the hex rules or how we were going to do them. Yeah. If the hex rules were as written, obviously we would have gone to Feindar. Yeah. 
Um, but that took some tweaking and that was one of those learning experiences where we, we learned what worked better for us and for the pace of the narrative along with some limitations that would be imposed in game terms and realistic terms. You can't go everywhere, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, apart from that, like, I I didn't know if anybody was going to die in the first part of the adventure, but I had a feeling that there was a good chance of it. So I wasn't necessarily surprised when Elwood stayed behind. Yeah. I didn't know if it would be Elwood or if it would be somebody else, but I wasn't really surprised about it. So we've got... community questions. Oh yeah, go for it. Yep. <laughs> No, no, you read. You're, you're taking the, the, okay. the cool rule. Well, Kenter Parker asks... I do have to preface real... Yeah, that is... So, Kent Parker is my brother-in-law, Jason, Jason's brother-in-law. So that's April's husband. So, should have I do have to say, Kent, I am flattered. <laughs> Thank you for participating. Better power coop name. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how these are pronounced, but Kieran or Orning... <laughs> I think it's supposed to be couple. Couple, yeah, I think it's supposed to be power couple. So, uh-huh. Kieran or Orning. <laughs> oh. And I do have to laugh because one of my backups names is Kieran, so I don't know if that's not what I we think start that's our answer that. right there is Kieran. <laughs> and uh, I could get confusing. Here's a good roundtable question. I think that each of us could answer. Uh, what's the most epic or fun combat interaction you've had? Uh, Jason, let's start with you. So we're talking specifically a combat interaction, not necessarily a yeah. full combat. Sure. Yeah, combat interaction. That is the difference. Uh, so one of the ones that pops to my head right away, which probably is stealing from somebody else, but... <laughs> I know what it is. The first one that comes to my head is the critical that Nayari got, just because it was something like forty some damage against a creature I think it was that had thirty one damage. Okay, who, who knows? Thirty one something would... like that. But it was like it was a low level encounter. But that creature was supposed to be like kind of difficult, and it was like in one shot, it was just gone, like completely <laughs> gone. And that was one of the times where I had to look, and I was like. I guess that's just how the dice go. That's not how the combat was supposed to go, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, Zovius clarifies, like any combo with someone or something really clever done in combat. There was, oh yeah. So Josh, you go you go ahead next. I'll go ahead next. So uh, I'm going to cheat in name two. This build has been interesting because uh, it I think diverges from some typical rangers in that what was really important to me was to be a switch hitter. I wanted to use a bow but also be up in melee. And there's a couple of ways to make that work, although mechanically you're gonna be good at one like better at one than you are the other just as as a consequence of the way the system works. But it all came together in that same fight with the editor cap. Um, when I remember just transitioning very smoothly and seamlessly from firing at range and then dipping into combat when things got brutal and back and forth. And I found most recently a, another feat that'll help me do the, the vision that I have for the build a lot better. So I'm excited for that. And one of the times I think that really came together was at the shrine. And I was really proud of that when the, the what was the name? Did you say the name of the war priest was? Malgrim. When Malgrim was charging through the entangled ground that Theros had laid, and Aiden was there, like, taking shots with the bow until he finally had come close, and I remember dropping it and, like, ripping out a dagger really quickly, stabbing at him and, like, taking a five-foot step back, and I remember that 
in my head just looking so like uh cinematic as he's coming in one two three dodges a shot and you know puts the dagger in gets distance between them and then because of something i had done a turn prior i was able to pick up my main weapon in a square i had left it behind on purpose so it kind of just all came together and for me it was a really fun moment to play out and it took a couple of, of planning and it could have gone awry but it, it came together and i thought that was a really cool scene <laughs> justin yeah um so mine was by far finally getting to use consecrate um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. i had that ability when we got to uh i think i had that ability when we got to maybe not but when we got to um gristle down uh. And like that whole combat went a little different from me than for you guys uh, with that skin, you know, yeah. kind of like yeah. getting on me and I, I couldn't do anything about it. And that's actually, I believe the first time that Oren was knocked unconscious was, was yeah. during that fight. And no. so, no, you actually were knocked unconscious in the fight prior to Crystal Down. Yeah. Oh, OK. So anyway, anyway but it. it it affected me that whole like fight with the undead and everything and i was like yeah as the cleric like i'm not gonna get caught off guard again by by undead so i was like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna prepare for it because i know eventually we'll go up against undead like you know we went up against them in the the tunnels like when we got down to where like that blacksmith area was but that whole fight was just a tactical nightmare um, that did not go the way any of us wanted it to. I mean, it worked out fine, but it just tactically, I don't know what was going on there. Which um, right? When we got down into the caves, like after we fought the gelatinous cube, and there was the door <laughs> leading to where those little undead creatures were, and I think that may have been the first time that Nayari's like, yeah, but I'm going to do like an acrobatic flip into the room over <laughs> everyone else, and it's totally going to go fine. And we're all like, <laughs> wisdom damage, wisdom well, damage. Yeah, go for yeah. it, go for it. Um, right. And so I don't know. My whole thing was like, I'm just not gonna let the undead catch us off guard again. And so it was really satisfying when like 30 undead rise up out of the ground, and I'm like, it's my moment. And like, yeah. I actually had everything prepared in order to. to well, do I was that. gonna say, talk about planning. Mine took two rounds of planning yours took quite a finagle to get the because you needed a material component yeah that caught quite a bit of gp like it's not insignificant yeah. um so you had to prepare that and, and be ready so i think that that yeah. those kinds of payoffs are really really nice yeah i had to burn a spell one day to make the uh the blessed water the holy water um in mm. my little like uh flask or whatever you know i had to prepare the spell to bless the water and everything i had to have the the dust in order to do it so it took quite a bit of planning and then to prepare consecrate for that day um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was all just a plan that I was like, eventually, I know we're going to go up against a large, formidable group of undead, and I will be prepared for that moment. So that was probably also my my favorite. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Chris. mine. Sarah? So mine is sort of combat, but also sort of not. Um, so I just think back to the moment when we were fighting the Den Mother, and how at the end it was Nayari and Volus. <laughs> the bear. 
the bear in Nayari. Nope. And that was the same session that we had had that tense role play. <laughs> yeah. it was so on edge. And then to have an almost TPK, I was I was like, this is crazy. And then when we finally beat her, and then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, Nayari doesn't have dark vision. Theros's lights are gonna go out soon. She doesn't have any healing capabilities. Like, what? <laughs> this is the worst situation ever. And I'm like, as a player, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, what can I do? I can do a heal check to try to stabilize. I I can't bring them back up, and then to find the potions. And I don't know if Jason was going easy on me with with which potions I identified. No. <laughs> no. I should know better than that. I should know better than that. But yeah, to to roll the higher perception on a cure moderate wounds potion, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yep, my gosh. I, I, I was intense. I had you roll those spellcraft checks in the order that I read off what they were. And, yeah. Well, it wasn't spellcraft yeah. because I couldn't detect their well, magic. I had to roll yeah, perception to yeah. identify by taste. Yeah. Yeah, what I had to go in the order I, you found them, so... Yeah. yeah. What I thought was cool about that is it's so funny, because in hindsight, it didn't matter. But in the moment, we didn't know we were done with the dungeon. Because there was that other room to the right, mm-hmm. and then that long corridor, which we didn't know where that had gone yet. And we were, at the time, freaking out that, like, <laughs> something could come and kill us. And I remember Jason said something that I only recognized upon re-listening, where he was like, chill. Like, he's like, oh yeah, so you know, you guys win. It's like we don't win yet. Like we don't, we don't know <laughs> if we're out of this. But from your side of the screen, you you realize there was no more baddies there. So I thought that was really funny. Like going back and re-listening, and then also having hindsight, realizing how stressed out I felt alongside that with that feeling, Sarah. And it it didn't matter. <laughs> it actually didn't matter. Oh. All right, Andrew, what's yours? Yeah, that leaves well, you. I'd say I probably have the same um, choice as as Sarah. That desperate fight in the caves against the troglodyte den mother and her minions was so intense and so close. To, like she said, a TPK. Uh, I don't feel like Theros has a lot of like really heroic moments per, per se himself. In a lot of the combat, he's more of an enabler and trying to help the others do the best they can do. Um, so I would say I have moments. There are a lot of cool fights and cool abilities um, that I've seen utilized. But my, I'd say, yeah, my favorite moment, would, even though Theros was down at that time, would be just that, that desperation of Volus and Nayari claiming those heroic moments to win and make sure we don't just all die there in the caves. <laughs> Yeah, it was intense. Did we hear Jason's yet? Yeah, so I had I had mentioned the one, but I would also point out the uh, the so as far as like creative uh, interactions in combat go, I think one of the more creative ones, uh, actually two of the creative ones that I can think of, have been with Nayari. There was the when she used the defoliant against the Brandelactus. That was a pretty creative use of some items that you guys had gotten before. And when she tried burning hands against Malgram, it didn't work, but it was a very creative uh, uh, use of that spell. Brilliant. It it would have worked if I hadn't noticed that other thing. And the only reason he had that is because he had those two alchemists who were throwing bombs around. And initially the idea was that he'd wade into melee and they'd throw willy-nilly, but, yeah. I forgot until now the duel 
with Elwood was also really well done, oh, yeah. I think. I can't believe that's ex- like for anyone who's curious that's exactly how the dice rolled but listening back to that it just does it seems like it was written it doesn't seem like that's how it would have played out but it just did you know like from everything down to his final like acceptance of what was happening and for me like feeling that redemption and uh like the killing the one baddie for sure and then just Nope. <laughs> Thereafter, there was some really creative stuff. I was really proud. Um, Elwood was already a non-traditional fighter, and then I ended up multi-classing him as a result of the the story into Paladin. And so, being able to smite evil once was very cool. I like that a lot. I liked getting to hear Jason go. Does a forty-five hit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do you think it does? And then rolling damage in chat. Yeah, that was one of the things, like, you beat Kurgri way faster than I thought, but I, in my head I was like, that's fine, like, it's, it's not going to make a difference. It's like, oh, it's going to die, it's just a matter of who's going to kill him. If yeah. not Kurgri, then this other BA dude's going to come out and take uh, yeah. well, him I was, down. I was glad I got Kurgri at least, though. That was good. We have another that made it all community worth it. question from Sammy. Will Jason's loaded dice be swapped? <laughs> That's a good question. They are they are not loaded dice. They're just very good. So, and, and I would like to point out. I would like to point out that there have been several sessions when I rolled really really true. bad consistently. <laughs> very okay. true. Nobody so, talks about those, but this is very true. Very so fortunate. like I roll well, really good a lot of times, but like I roll really bad a lot too. So. Yeah, but we only care defense. about the one of those two extremes. Yeah, we only care about the one time you look like you're a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the one scene when uh, Aiden got spotted with the people who were like doing the forest. You rolled terrible that fight. You you never hit not once, not a single and, time. And also the fight right before Gristledown, you guys had six yeah. uh, hobgoblins you were fighting, and I mean they did decent damage to you. That's the fight where they knocked Oren out, but I missed probably two thirds of the attacks yeah. that I made. More often than not, um, that was a was fun that, one. Yeah, was that the one that he did fire belly in? Yeah, yeah. The first one I did fire belly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. <laughs> and I think I hit one of you. I don't remember which, but <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Like, Sorry, Theros. you're in the 15 foot cone. Yeah, I think it was Theros. Yeah, yeah. I do toasty. have to say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Andrew. I was just gonna say it was a little toasty. Go for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite RP moments that we had was the moment with Nyari and Oren when she shows them that she has magic. I was like uh, so excited so about that. Cute. Was, that was actually awesome. It worked so, so perfectly. Cute. Because when I took the spell when I first got spell casting, I was like, I'm gonna have Nayari pull Oren aside somehow and she's gonna be the one to show him. And then he approached her to apologize <laughs> about the the thing with the the crystal lizard and i was like this is perfect like this is absolutely perfect so i was really pleased with how that one worked out i i i die a little bit every time when you go maybe <laughs> it's so cute maybe maybe it's like can um, you do anything else maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, i was, was laughing the whole time i was re- recapping that editing that that whole scene, I just, I just kept chuckling. Oh, you're huge! Oh, I'm just you're large, huge? actually. <laughs> it's just because there actually is a huge, like, yeah. a huge oh, yeah. creature. 
I was like, I only take up a 10 by 10. I'm not like a 15 by 15. <laughs> right. Using our math this measuring. Yes. <laughs> I am only a 10 by 10. Okay. <laughs> I have another question for the DM. So you have brought a lot of NPCs to life and really breathed some cool characters into existence. Uh, so instead of villains, which has been your favorite NPC to roleplay? Oh my. Um, so there's a couple that. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of main ones that I can think of. I think the easiest for me to roleplay is Aubrin. Something, yeah. something about Aubrin I find is very easy for me to 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 role play for her i think uh, her perspective is easy to understand yeah that she has on it all and that helps you get into character yeah. jason there's only one correct answer and that is veld <laughs> <laughs> that has been my favorite npc that you role or 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 Jin varick explaining to theros about how love works <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that caught me way off guard. I mean, it's going to get real weird when I start romantically trying to court Kining. It's going to get real weird for Jason. <laughs> so, Opera is the easiest. Who's your favorite? Um, see, I don't know if I have necessarily a favorite. I mean, Veld is certainly an interesting character. She's a bit hard on the uh, the voice, but uh, <laughs> she's, she's very fun. Um, Maybe my favorite would be Jin, but I think that's just because I'm thinking ahead of scenes that he might be in. <laughs> you cheated. Understood. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I should count that or not. <laughs> no, I think that counts. I think so. No. <laughs> Going off of that, though, I did want to say earlier that Theros's character development so far has been like fascinating. Because it's almost like as soon as you hit that level four mark and you got um, wild shape is almost when it lined up with uh, Theros meeting up with his mom again. And so there's so much angst that has suddenly risen within him with like now he's got to deal with this anger he feels when he's wild shaped into certain creatures. And now his mother came back and there's there's a backstory there that I'm sure will come out eventually like bits and pieces has. But it's just crazy because thinking of Theros at the beginning is he was very mild mannered and polite and the peacemaker. And now he's like really struggling with these emotions and it's, it's really great to watch. What I think was really cool and I, I've played, I wouldn't say a lot of D&D, but I've, I've played some, you know, <laughs> I have more tables than just with you guys. And, you know, I've done my fair share of things. I have not encountered a druid that interpreted wild shape as something to be not desirable. Like, you know, it's always been played to like, I'm more in tune with nature and I can take the shape of, you know, all kinds of beasts and animals and humans. And like you're, they lean into it as like furthering their evolution and their philosophy. It's been very fun to see a character fight against a class feature, <laughs> you know, in a way and have it be like this anger that, that goes alongside Niari and there was a line that you said that stuck with me, and I, I, I always uh, recap right after uh, on Wednesdays. Sherman and I go for a walk, and uh, I always tell him about what we did. Kind of thing. <laughs> and the line actually stuck with him as much as I think it stuck with me when you said, you know, you're too kind. You know, I have anger. That's a part of me. I've accepted it as something that I can't separate myself from. Like, it's intrinsic to my identity. 
I use my anger. But Theros, that's not your story. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like It wasn't those exact words, but the point was there. And it was like, it was such a fun idea of, uh, of you know, relating to emotions and class features blending that in with role play and the way people feel about themselves, uh, which I think was really cool. I really liked that interaction for sure. That was fun. I, yeah. I think our characters like this party, there isn't an overwhelming like couple that has the most RP. Like our characters are constantly RPing with each other across the board. Like I think back to Aiden and Oren when Aiden could not understand why the dwarves of Kragadan would not come help near Mothis. And Oren's like, well, dude, what? Like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, you want me to just go get all the dwarves? I can't even get to Kragadan. And like that was that was also such a tense moment because like we hadn't really gotten too much from Oren and all of a sudden he's like, excuse me, I am doing the best I can for these people. Like you think I would do more if I could. That was that was phenomenal. Let me strip yeah. down and run into the dark lands. I got right. this. I'll be right. back in a few days. Give me three well. fortnights, I'll be back. <laughs> We will come to Paizo there, not just us. The expansive lore that exists in Galarian, and I have had, and Nirmathis doesn't actually have a ton written about it compared to some other regions like Verizia, for example. A lot more is written about Verizia because several campaigns take place there, go there. Holds of Belkson is another area that's got a ton written about it. And Nirmathis has got a lot. For sure, there's no shortage. But with all of that expansive lore to bring to the table and interact with, I think it's been very fun for me to lean into that and help that shape my characters. Uh, Elwood was really shaped by being Malthuni. Like that was really, that wasn't just something that was a cool idea. That shaped who he was and impacted his story. Same thing with Aiden and being Nirmathi born and raised and, you know, having his history with his parents being involved with and stuff and like it's been very fun to incorporate politics that are game politics a safer space to interact with them um in a really really fun way um, can i just say that the the revelation that that elwood was Multhuni, i would have loved to have seen that interaction between elwood and nayari that would have been epic I swear to God, I think Elwood would have died. I think Elwood would have been murdered. Well, I mean, can you imagine, though, if we had gone through this sequence of visions and she comes out of these visions and Elwood is still there and, like, their eyes just meet and she just, like, goes for his throat or something? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. I, I had that. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> when we talk about prepping ahead of time, I knew there were there were three scenes that I had specifically prepped with Niari and Elwood. Some really fun like double speak lines before the revelation that like would have had a lot of impact posts. Like I was gonna have him say something along the lines of like you know I'm sorry what happened. I wish there was more I could have done or like that could have been done. Like some vague way to pretend as if. There was something more he could do in the moment is how he would read it without context but when you understood the bigger picture it was like wait no he was responsible and and uh so i missed out on those things but i think that as it went we got Aiden, and mm -hmm. i 
really think he's a good fit for the group and for the party. And I think as much as Elwood is probably my favorite PC I've ever made, um, I'm glad that Aiden was brought into this journey. And I think that Elwood marks something very important, narratively speaking, that no one really is safe. <laughs> death, <laughs> death, is, death is one bad roll away at the moment. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about quite a bit with this last part of the book is I honestly, I'm not sure how it's going to go because the I book... The book doesn't really tell you, like, this is how it's going to go. It just says, like, the PCs can approach this in a bunch of different ways. Make sure you know all of the different aspects of the camp before starting it. And it's like, they could just do a frontal assault. And then if they do, this is, like, the equivalent CR of the entire thing. Or they could try doing things one at a time. So I'm really curious how that'll go. And it's one of those things, like... I have read over the stat block for the final boss of this book, and I don't know if it's going to be like a really big challenge or if it's not going to be a big challenge. It's not one of those stat blocks that I read and I instantly can tell this is going to be just like TPK level boss stuff. Like you see some of the stat blocks for like Strange Aeons book one boss with like all the spellic abilities, all of the auras and all of the stuff that goes on so you think oh that's dangerous but i don't know if that's going to be the case for this guy or not we'll see well you never know what kind of unique interactions might come up because there are some things that are pretty benign but can shut down whole classes you know something that doesn't really matter but if something's immune to precision damage and you have a build that's really roguish and trying to get those sneak attacks off and it's just like yeah that doesn't matter like that can shut you down you know and it's not overall really big to the CR. But if you have a lot of those little things, they can add up and interact with weird ways. You might have RP moments that interact in ways you don't expect, you know, kind of like Theros and Aiden and, and the mother situation. Like, uh, that's not planned, but it comes up and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Like, that, I didn't think of that. that like, obviously, that's important. Um, and so when you're trying to, like, consider balancing something ahead of time, it can be really, really challenging for sure. So I know Andrew's not here, but kind of something that I wanted to go over with each of you is like going around. How did you get involved in like tabletop? Be it if you started with Pathfinder, if you started with D and D, how did you get? How did you get kind of thrown into this world? And so we can, I guess start with Jason and go around like we did before. I think the way that I got into it is pretty similar to how some of the other people here might be. Um, I started out, I have I have no idea how I was suggested it or how I found it, but started watching Critical Role. Yours um, truly, I think. <laughs> yeah, you might have been the one to suggest yeah. it, I can't remember. Uh, started watching Critical Role, which I, I watched very, very in-depth for a while back when I was, uh, I can't even remember if I was in high school or if that was early college. Early college, college yeah. College. Um, I was watching I that a lot. <laughs> But uh, that, I like, I never played it. I didn't even know how it was played until I started watching that. And then it was a little bit after that that Josh was like, hey, I'll run a homebrew with, and uh, it was Sarah, me, a bunch of other people, first time GMing, first time playing. It was, it was an interesting experience. Uh, and that yeah. was my first time ever playing a, <laughs> a learning experience for sure. It was a hot mess for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so for context for everyone who was not part of that game, just think about everything awful that could happen. <laughs> Did. Okay? Yeah. 
Both of these, so Jason played a character that was always on their own thing. Didn't want anything to do with the story. (laughs) Was just like, no, I'm gonna do this. And it's like, okay. Um, Sarah was playing the edgiest edgelord ever. The edgiest, like, sorcerer guy ever. (laughs) Like, at the worst, cringiest in hindsight. Like, stereotypical story about, like, this this like you know this sorcerer awakened powers and he was treated poorly by his it's just it was great i loved it all though i loved it all and then we had me <laughs> new time fresh dm didn't even read the core rule book i don't think probably not <laughs> and, and that was the thing about it is that we got some of the like core rules totally wrong like the first couple sessions sarah couldn't cast spells because i had it in my head i have no idea why I had it in my head like, oh, maybe they need their staff or whatever. Well, like, cast so funny to me. Yeah. And right. hear me being a new GM, I was like, oh, I don't think Okay, so I asked the question, how did each of us get into like tabletop gaming, like D&D Pathfinder? So right now we're talking about, basically, we started with Jason, so we're on Jason's. And Jason, Josh, and mine are all connected because we were all kind of, we all kind of started it together. So we, Jason was talking about Josh's first homebrew that we did and how much of a hot mess disaster it was. Hot mess. But I haven't even said my worst embarrassing part. So not only did I probably not read the core rule book and regarding sorcerers, I was pretty sure you were wrong, but I was not like DM mode at all ever. So I had no idea how to handle that situation at all and are you ready for this i had a dmpc <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yep. because i yeah. got terrible advice that said that was a great way to keep the party on track and i realized session one i was like no this is awful like i don't know i don't remember <laughs> who it was who told me that that was a good idea but they were wrong like that is not the not the right I mean, that was the intention from the beginning. <laughs> Sabotaged. But I it think, didn't help that you basically had six players. No, we also had way too many players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was fun for what it was. It was a, it was a, a better introduction to the hobby than most people get. <laughs> I mean, we're still playing. So. And there was some cool stuff. Like, there was some cool unexplored things that that will never happen but uh <laughs> there, there were actually some unique ties to the, for different characters so that was fun and that was your introduction to the hobby i'm sorry yep <laughs> yeah so i guess we can move on to josh because i think that's how we did it before it was jason and josh sure so mine actually begins a little bit before that uh, i've said previously that i do work at a game store um and i have They read in hushed tones as I was growing up. Um, but never from my family particularly. I think that they were just ignorant. They didn't know what it was. But I do remember from my church family and other groups that I was growing up with, it was never something like if it was ever talked about, it was then not talked about immediately after. Exactly. <laughs> it was shut down. And so uh, growing up, one of my greatest regrets is I, I always feel like when I had all the time in the world to play when I was in middle school and high school, I didn't know what it was. Uh, so that's always something that I felt sad about being robbed. Of. But I also never knew what I was missing, uh, which is, a, is another way of thinking about it. Until early, same time around Jason. We were both in college at the time, and I was working at the game store part-time. Um, and I had heard that one of my good friends was doing games on Saturday. 
And I also had another group of friends that wanted to do some D&D. And I, being the nerd of the group, was like, I'll learn how to play. I'll learn how to play, and I'll run a game so that y'all can do the D&D thing. So I go down, and I just wanted to watch. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. But immediately, the DM at the table and the rest of the group, they're all really nice people. And they're like, oh, hey, ah, don't just watch why don't you play? And I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have, I don't have anything. He's like, I don't have dice. He's like, don't worry. Here's some dice. He's like, I don't have a character. Don't worry. Here's a character. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to role play. Don't worry. Just here's what he likes. Make up a place you're from and say some words. And I was like, all right, guess we're doing this. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Actually, we, we did a, a, a man, haunted mansion style of game. And so I remember getting out of that experience and being like, Oh my gosh, I've got to do this. I've got to learn how this works. I've got to get it going. And that's when I approached Jason and Sarah and asked if they would be my unfortunate <laughs> test subjects as I move to learn the rules and, and get more familiar with the system. And we played, I don't know if you guys remember, we played with my roommate Sherman um, some from the beginner box. Pathfinder, oh, yeah, beginner I, box. I, I, I did forget about that, but yeah, that happened. I, yeah. I played the Ky- Kyra, Kira. Yeah, the, Kira, and then I, the iconic yeah. cleric. Yeah, I played. And I remember, Ezra. yep, not having selective channeling. So when you channel energy, we were fighting a dragon, and I was like, "Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm gonna heal the dragon too. Like, I gotta heal my, I gotta heal my buddies." And yeah, oh, man, I was that was... for all that was terrible, also, but great. I think I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, it definitely, that was my hook. That was, I got through the beginner box and was like, wow, where's Sandpoint? I want to go there. And immediately I was I was into Pathfinder and role-playing games. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. All right, Justin. My first experience with uh, Dungeons & Dragons was actually at Pops um, when they had first hey. started doing like a, I don't know, it was like a, weekly is your, session is that your first tabletop oh, experience ever yeah yeah really um thursday um, night before covid days we had weekly sessions that you could drop into it was kind of like society play but not so much run monster of the week if i remember correctly so you hopped in on one of them no the one i went to was on saturdays i uh, think yes we did those two we did two days a week and it was a custom campaign that i remember <laughs> I did not enjoy it at all um, because they were using a weird, the guy that was DMing was using a weird mix between Pathfinder and D&D. He was using rules from both and I was so confused and um, I went to like maybe five sessions. Um, I ended up getting too busy to keep going, Um, but I, uh, that was like the first time I tried it. And then the first time I actually played like Pathfinder, uh, actually was with Andrew, and I think, and um, we did the beginner box. Uh, with Theo uh, and Brad and yeah, Sarah? Yeah, Theo and Brad and Sarah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We did the beginner box Sarah, with a different four Sarah, of us, I think. Same thing, like with the dragon and all that at the end. You can't really... I mean, I suppose you could kill it, but it'd be hard. But we you know, almost it did. flies off. Yeah, it flies off, and that's supposed to like continue the story into a different adventure path. I can't whatever. remember how you did. 
But you almost did. Actually. It was something. So I remember that as Ezrin, I used the hand of the apprentice ability to throw the staff, and I got like a critical or something. It did an insane yeah. amount of damage. And yeah. then I think Brandon with the sword got like a a nice hit into something like that. But yeah, but yeah so it, it was stupidly short too, because in that one, it specifically says it's not looking to fight to the death. It's going to fly away if it's right. too much damage. But. The right. point was, you're not supposed to bring it below half. Like, that's even that was supposed yeah. to be a struggle. Like, if you did that, it was amazing. Right. They had him down to less than a third in like two rounds. Wow. And I was like, holy cow, he's got a bug around here. He really is going to die, <laughs> you know? Which was, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Wow. But yeah, I think we had fun when we did that little beginner box. And we've kind of, with that group, wanted to do, like, with Sarah Holton and some of those people we've wanted to do another group and i we think that honestly if we had more time we would probably start one up right now we started with them, a pathfinder but, uh, session too justin when we were in your first store um it was it was pathfinder and it was some kind of swashbucking swashbuckling slash like piratey one shot i think yeah it was like a no it was an it was an ap i think was i don't remember which one it AP? is though but okay. it's uh we just it like, was like it starts off on a ship Skulls, skulls and shackles. shackles? Played like two hours. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we were gonna do skulls and shackles, and we got in the first session, but then it was three birds. <laughs> Couldn't oh, make yeah, it past skulls one session. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's skulls and shackles. Guess, like, you know, every, <laughs> what else? What else was it going head? to be? Like, <laughs> like, do you even play Pathfinder? Jack? Yeah, right. <laughs> you haven't Jeez, memorized you all the APs. All the APs yet? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember uh, you giving me like a hero point. I think because I like talked back to uh, Theo. He was being stupid, and I like he I ended up getting to... like, like <laughs> I ended up having to like wing it because he was just being so stupid, <laughs> and like he was doing stupid stuff, like. Cause there's like the captain of the ship or whatever and like he just kept like doing stupid stuff like he's like i'm i'm like what are you guys doing and he's like well i'm actually gonna go down to the hold and i'm gonna try and rob all the the like boxes that are down there and i'm like okay i'll allow it but like you're gonna have to make stealth checks and then you're gonna have to like roll to unlock pick the locks and stuff and you have to keep rolling stealth checks and he failed miserably on the first one and i was like stealing and i'm like that's the best you got you literally <laughs> tell guy that you're stealing and he's like yeah i couldn't think of it anything and i'm like all right like go up top you're gonna get lashings like they're gonna put you on the pole and they're gonna do i love it you. yeah <laughs> i i have untold dmp horror stories deep. for sure <laughs> what about you andrew uh well i think sarah's next right Oh, no, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter. Josh asking if Jason and I wanted to participate in Pathfinder, and I was like, "What the you, heck is Pathfinder?" You said no first. I did say no <laughs> because I was like, "How do you play a game where you can do anything? And, like, <laughs> you can do anything. How do you play that? I just don't understand." Understand and like I had watched The Big Bang Theory and they would go through it and they'd be like, "You come to a door, what do you do?" And it's like, "Well, I knock on the door." Mm -hmm. Well, an ogre answers, and I'm like, "How do you how do you know what to do or what happens when you do things?" I, I had no concept of how tabletop worked. 
And I had heard, like, I mean, growing up in my household, we never really talked about Dungeons and Dragons. So I didn't know, like, what the deal was with that and being, you know, evil and horrible and all of that. So I never had that. It's just we were never really involved in it. But <clears throat> I remember going through that beginner box and brew and learned a lot through that and kind of transitioned because Josh left to go study in Japan. So we transitioned mm -hmm. and Jason started to do a homebrew. And that was a ton of fun. But again, we learned so much because we even like Jason had done quite a few homebrew rules in that, you know, taking some things from Critical Role that they do, some things from D&D. &D. And um turned out that our characters were very overpowered and <laughs> we only had three of them but they were very overpowered yeah. and jason you know with homebrew it's hard hard to balance encounters and such because you have no idea you know how things are going to go but it was still a ton of fun and we um got to the end of that and then um josh Uh-oh, internet's going. I've made so many mistakes. I've had to make so many changes to the campaign and how characters are built and created. And um, But it's, you know, you evolve and you learn and you grow and it eventually becomes a really, a really fun thing and you get well, to a point where you're comfortable with it. And it's cheesy to say, but I would say that a big testament to this game's success is largely responsible to your and my failings Sarah. so <laughs> right. yeah we can at least we can at least feel, take comfort in that but uh, a lot of growth as far as like your comfort level being a dm and playing characters and you became more and more familiar with the rules as time got on and uh i think that that has been really fun to watch and then also finally being able to have the chance to play alongside you and not just have you be the one who tells me I can't do things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been a, a great experience moving into this group and I think we owe a lot to those past games that each of us played because uh, you know we learned that we don't prefer homebrews we prefer APs and then we learned that we prefer structured APs and then you know we got to hear and uh, a lot of that I think is, is because of your efforts so I will say, yeah, like, I agree. This has run really smooth. Like, I haven't been in a lot of tabletop RPGs, but, like, I've been in, like I said, some that I didn't really enjoy the experience. I've enjoyed this one because you guys seem to have the rules really well down and you understand the game, and that has been, I don't know, really, really enjoyable to, to play with people that truly have a passion, it seems like. Um, and I've appreciated that, that you guys are passionate about it. Well, you brought up a point, though, Justin, too, about you had a particular player that just kind of wanted to do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wanted to steal from things when the party's supposed to be about this. And, you know, there's there's sort of this social contract that you enter in when you hop into a DMD group about what you want out of the experience. And Jason, Sarah, and I have kind of sh aligned to share a lot of DMD philosophies. But I have participated in other tables, and I think what makes a, a, 
uh, role-playing experience great is the group of people that you're playing with. Uh, it doesn't really matter what system you're playing. It doesn't really matter what story you're telling. It's that you all agree that we're going to have fun together. And I think that that's something that we had from the very beginning, as well as we kind of made pretty clear the style of game that we prefer. We really like storied, grounded games that have are character driven and you know we, we want to take this somewhat seriously you know sure. not just flip it because I've, I've 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 done the beer and pretzels game where you know the joke is let's try to get the dm as off track as possible let's you know create the most ridiculous <laughs> silly situation and watch them scramble and that's fun for what it is and i think that there's a different kind of entertainment that can be had in this kind of rpg experience and so i, I think that we're really grateful to have you two be a part of that uh, just as much as, as jason and sarah for sure so we appreciate that what about you andrew what was your introdu- introduction to the hobby <laughs> my first exposure to dnd pathfinder any kind of tabletop rpging was actually <laughs> my first year of college which was actually at a bible college <laughs> believe it or Amazing. not um, before i ended up going to a liberal arts school but like the the um you went to elam didn't you i, I did yes Is that um, right? to elam bible institute <laughs> up in new york yeah and uh, a bunch of the guys on my hall were meeting up but um one of them actually lived off campus uh, one of the rather one of my classmates lived off campus and we all went to his house and I didn't play anything I just observed a bunch of them playing and uh, I was like oh this seems kind of fun I've always wanted to try like Hamilton Gibson plays but never really got into it I was in one like small play that a friend did years ago in high school but um, never really jumped into acting I was like this, this, this looks like it's kind of like fun it's like a mix of acting but with just with friends so it's not like that big a deal um, and it's fantasy, and I'm a dork, so, like, I love that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, found, I found it fascinating, but never played it until uh, until I met Justin. And he was going to do a one-shot or something at, at the time, or I, that might have been the start of that. That's, what was it? The Pathfinder. Skulls and Shackles. Yeah, Skulls yeah. and Shackles IP. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to play Pathfinder. I was like, what's Pathfinder? He's like, oh, it's kind of like D&D. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Uh, so sure, yeah, I'll play that with you, Justin. And, and we tried it, made it through one session, and then never returned to it. And I was like, oh, that was, that was, that was fun. But, you know. What's so funny to me is that I ended up playing Pathfinder and not the widely more arguably widely more successful and popular fifth edition like i don't know because i i came into the heyday of fifth edition being everywhere <laughs> and uh somehow i chose the older more number system glad i did but i don't know how i how i ended up on that choice <laughs> from there yeah, it was, was, oh yeah from there it was like a hodgepodge of um of pathfinder one shots with justin and the same friend group um miles you guys know him did a homebrew with us for one or two one one two three i think two sessions we made it through um on his homebrew uh and again just people's lives just got too busy and we were all trying to meet in person so i think having this roll 20 and be able to uh just meet from wherever we're at has been the game well that and just having covid <laughs> has been the game changer um in that yeah. everybody's kind of has to stay home <laughs> for the mm-hmm. most part there's obviously exceptions there's but yeah that this has been my first real 
hardcore, dedicated gameplay of anything of the sort. So it's it's been an interesting learning curve, as a, as we've noted, learning about cantrips being able to be used. That's my favorite. Than once today. <laughs> and, and I do have to point out that when we started this. I had never met Justin or Andrew in person. I don't think Jason had either. No. And Actually, I'm the only one who knows everyone. Yeah. yeah also, I think connection. I think I'm the only one who knows everyone in the adjacent stories as well. Like, like I know Miles. They actually yeah. know Miles. That's a funny mutual friend that we Yeah, I know Miles. Yeah, because yeah, he's just not like he's involved in some of our immediate circles but i was just really surprised to hear that you two knew him in particular um but yeah i'm i'm the bridge between these two worlds yeah but it's just great because i feel like our personalities mesh so well and there's a lot of um chemistry i would say in this group and we did jason and i did actually get to meet andrew and justin um doing an activity this summer but it, again, it's weird because COVID and you have masks and it's just yeah. like, it's not the same and it's been difficult. We've wanted to have hangouts and they just haven't worked out because of COVID and yeah. uh, it's just life is, is really weird. But to your point, Andrew, it's great that we have a program like World 20 and you know, it's not perfect, but no program is. It's worked really well for us and it's been, it's facilitated us being able to play weekly, which would never have been possible if we had to actually go yeah. and meet somewhere. No, sure. I never would have been able to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. <No>. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's funny because it, it actually gives us more time on a, on a Tuesday evening to, to stretch if we want to, and we're all really in the session. There's not a commute that we have to worry about after. So it, it has its mm-hmm. advantages, even if it's not what we would have initially thought was our preferred, for mm-hmm. sure. And I've said to Jason before that I'm very introverted and I think that meeting over a screen, that kind of distancing actually has helped me with role playing and doing voices and such because I don't have that immediate feedback <laughs> that you're sitting right in front of people. And even when I started GMing Rise of the Rune Lords, I had to overcome that to a point because we were meeting in, in person. Um, every other week for a while and it's really really nerve-wracking to try to do voices in front of other people especially like I so Jason and Josh are in that group and one of my coworkers. so I know the three of them very well but then my coworker's friend joined us and he was in Jason's homebrew with us and he's very he's he's more quiet and I was just super intimidated by him and like doing voices in front of him for some reason but I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't care. Like, I will just lapse into accents, and I do that in real life, too, probably with people that don't understand me, and I just do it. (laughs) Oh, I love the random accents that come out sometimes when we're not in RP sessions. But, like, you're like, yeah, but, you know, Nari just wants to do that. And I'm like, why has she got, like, a Jersey accent? Like, why is it? I don't know. Why does she have a Boston accent? We're not on being right now. I think I've told you all before, too. I've outside, like, in real life, like, been at work, and I'll, like, talk to one of my coworkers, and I'll say it like Ulrich would. And I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? I'm like, 
I also appreciate the little bit of a barrier that this is because it's helped me in the most dramatic of scenes. I don't have to worry about my volume level too much because I just need to control my distance to the mic, you know? And that's a lot easier for me than having to control the like the tone that everyone else is at. Moreover, I've been able to method act in some scenes, which sounds really silly, but helps you get the sound that you're looking for, you know, when you're trying to get up or whatever. If I want to, I can just turn off my camera and do whatever I want. And uh, that's Mm -hmm. helped me get really nice vocal pieces that I've actually been practicing voice acting through this, which has been really, really fun. Um, And and I've enjoyed uh, quite a bit. And and I remember we had a conversation, Justin, how... uh, voices speaking of them it's such a funny thing because uh i don't think it matters at all <laughs> as far as good role play goes but i've been happy to feel comfortable um, being able to do that with this group yeah good stuff it is good Agreed. stuff if anybody else I was hoping chat we... has questions feel free to list them yeah i was hoping we'd get more questions in chat that would have been nice <laughs> I do so have to I, say that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, you can go. I was going to ask a question that's probably going to start up a conversation, but I don't know. Oh, I was. I was just going to mention talking about the accents piece of it. Um, in our Rise of the Rune Lords game, Jason has a character, so it is Vicket Longtail. He I is a, Longtail. He's a rat folk. and he actually came in as an NPC. So yeah. <laughs> I started by playing him and I introduced him. He was like this investigator in Magnamar, which is a city that they went to. And I had no intentions of doing this, but they started to role play with him. And I just went into like, so yeah, the, this is what, uh, this is what I'm going to say. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you want to come in and sit down, that's fine. But, uh, I don't really have time to talk to you. And I just I went into this, <laughs> I just went into this accent. I still have no idea what it is or whatever, but, um, it's funny what? because they had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Kind of like, I think I was going for like sort of Godfather. I don't really know. I've never seen it, but sort of, I don't know. Almost Italian, almost. Yeah. like um, New Jersey Italian. Yeah, it is kind of like <laughs> New Jersey Island, Italian. Almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so they had no idea that this was actually Jason's backup character, and then we worked it in so that Jason's character actually came in. Oh, as that a is PC, such a good reveal! And Jason just picked up on that accent, and now that is Vickett's accent. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so good, actually. She's underplaying how beautiful this moment was. <laughs> so, for context, our current party got beat like we were done. All right, so we had a PC death, and all the other PCs were like, "Nope, this not life is that, not." It was the PC is animal companion. Yeah. PC Animal Companion dead. The three of us that were left were like, you know what? This adventuring life, not really what I signed up for. Like, I thought it was for me, but for other story reasons, they all had personal things to take care of. So they all leave, and we're like, we're going to bring in backup characters that are going to work from here. I don't know how you want to do that, Sarah, but these guys clearly aren't aren't cut of the fire jib or whatever to do this job. And he's like, ah, she's like, it's fine. We'll work it in. It's fine. And we have this scene, right? Where she's described, she's like, it's fine. I've got this. <laughs> and she does the Vicket Longtail walking through 
all of the places the PCs had gone prior and kind of like conducting an investigation and parsing out what exactly happened and what would have to happen in the future as they're piecing together. Ah, oh, oh, this bad guy did this. Ah, oh, this person did that. And she gets to the final end of the carnage where our one party member had died. And then she just goes. So then Jason, what does he say? With no context, and he didn't skip a beat. And it is what was it? I guess I'll have to assemble a team. <laughs> and this uh, this one looks like it's going to be a bit more than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. I might have to might have to get a team for this one. And it was amazing. <laughs> like we all lost it. We were all like, what? Wait a minute, what? And then we all had reasons to bring our backups in, and that was a really really good moment for sure. But Jace, your question. Yeah, so I was actually going to ask uh, you guys on a on a it doesn't have to necessarily be a scale, but according to like your expectations on how difficult this campaign has been, because having the experience of Rise of the Rune Lords, my character Rowan has never gone unconscious. In that fight where the one character died and we left, he went down to three hit points, so he almost went unconscious in that fight, but he's technically never gone unconscious, whereas. And, and there's been two character deaths in that campaign, but they were all by the same player. Whereas yeah. in this campaign, there everybody has gone unconscious at one point or another, most of you multiple times, and there's only been one PC death at the very beginning, but there's been a couple situations where it was almost a TPK. So I'm curious, nice. like, Justin and Andrew, what your experience, well, what your, according to, like, your expectations of the campaign, how difficult it's been, and then Josh and Sarah comparing it to Rune Lord's has Iron Fang been significantly more or less difficult? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect a PC death in the like opening three sessions. Um, I mean, I know they can come at any time based on just how things work out, your roles, you know, but <clears throat> I, I didn't exactly expect that. Um, I will say that that still remains to me the most punishing like part of this whole campaign was the really those first like five sessions were probably the most punishing i think um and i don't know if the if the ap is supposed to be played out that way that like the stuff in Feindar was probably the hardest to, to to deal with um there were there were definitely some fights that i i see as struggles but like they weren't surrounded by struggle you know what i mean like like up until getting to the den mother the caves really weren't that bad until we got to the den mother and then it got really intense in that fight because um, we exhausted ourselves are you like even gristle down although i went down it wasn't really a terrible fight you know like it, it didn't go awfully um the mites we just squished them so like when i think back at like the level of difficulty in in combat wise um Feindar was just a hot mess of nonsense <laughs> and like it was just a really tough opening i guess and it set a tough pace for the rest of the, it didn't the rest of the campaign you and i only had like... i don't think that it's been more than i expected after those after those first few sessions i was like all right this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough AP. This isn't going to be all rainbows and sunshines and and um, 
uh, heroic acts. It's gonna we're gonna have to make some tough choices. Yeah, yeah, and that definitely yeah. is by design. Like reading from the book, it says the beginning of this adventure is grueling by design. Blah blah blah. Ultimately, you as the game master know your players and how they'll react to a no-win situation. And it actually even says if you feel your group won't enjoy the skin of their teeth escape, you can just skip to part two. So there might be groups out there that just skip the beginning and oh, start yeah. in at second level sec- second level PCs. You come across all the escapees, and I I knew going into this is like <sighs> I'm not going to skip the no <laughs> opening of the AP like yeah. all of that context. I'm not going to skip yeah. that. Well, if I they think- all die, they all die. But I'm not going to skip it. I do think it's crazy though because when I said that some characters like there are certain paladins that if, let's say you made the code never to not defend the oppressed like you'll always stand against the oppressor you couldn't leave like if you wanted to remain true to your paladin code else you are now playing an ex-paladin on a redemption arc you, you know what I mean you're right. immediately thrown into a different character than what you brought to the table so it is transformative for whatever you brought you, it could be a death in some way you know depending on how, if you accept death as change I do think you are meant to die at the beginning of the campaign and then you're playing a new origin story you know the baggage that you have from whatever is kind of trumped by the trauma you're supposed to have faced at Feindar, and I think that that's definitely by design. And I do think it shaped our characters for sure. Yeah, like that's that's a great point. That I think like the trauma of Feindar correlates to how we behave later on. Like like coming into like um like with Li Feng. You know, a lot of how I have Oren approaching that situation of like them questioning what we're doing and how we're doing it is like, bruh, imagine what we've been through in two weeks. Like, yeah, you've been through a lot. We've been through more. Like, you didn't go to Gristle Down. You didn't have skin wear you. Like, you didn't have to do any of that nonsense. And it's like all that trauma kind of. I think is shaping our characters' interactions with not only each other, but also how we interact with the NPCs. And I think it's important too, because a group of PCs thrown into the world of Galarian might not have the same opinion about hobgoblins that I would say most of our party has, for example. Some might be willing to have a conversation about some peaceful solutions or something like that. And that's just not on the table for our characters. And I think that that is really important to set them up as the villains of the story. And that, you know, yeah, it might have been a pain for some groups and I can see them skipping it, but the survival bit that is a much of a story too you don't go into most adventures worrying about how much food you have on the journey you kind of hand wave it away you're like yeah yeah we picked up some food you know we have trail rations whatever we got a pack horse that's not the case in this story and i think that that shapes the way our characters think about long-term resolution which i think is important to the overarching story as well so definitely really cool sammy had a question what about, uh, is Andrew there or is Andrew not there? I'm here. He's there. Can you hear me? I don't know. Actually, he looks like he's frozen. His oh. video's been gone for me for a while, but I think it's still on Twitch. Hey. Something's happening. That's weird. It's showing <laughs> up. Can you hear me? Can you all hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's showing up for me. Yep, it's working. Yeah, well. yep, you're back. Ah. Yeah, no, it was showing up on Twitch, Weird. so I just let it ride, but for whatever reason, I don't know. Well, that's awkward. 
<laughs> so what do you think about the... Yeah, uh, it was just you doing this. The combat. <laughs> I had a really funny face earlier that was frozen on. It I did. It was, was, it was while I was having a serious conversation. <laughs> I like, oh, while Justin was sharing, I was trying to mention... While Justin was sharing, I was trying to mention that he and I struggled a bit in the beginning, partially because we had like literally each one spell, and then mm. but neither of us can really hit things. So... Yeah. That was just a rough start for the two of us, uh, for those reasons in particular. Um, I've, that, like I said, also is my first real like campaign. Everything else has been really hodgepodge together. So um, this is by far, I'd say as far as expectations go, it was about, well, well at first it was, um, like Justin said, having the PC death and how early hard the struggle was in the beginning, I was like, dang, this is really going to be a uh, uh, survival each week kind of kind of story. And then as we've gone on, I've thought, well, this isn't actually as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it's still a challenge for sure. Um, so don't get any ideas, Jason. <laughs> I think that's a good point. Like, I don't know. Does anybody else feel that way that like, the first few weeks, like I'd say like the first like 10, 12 sessions, it felt like it really felt like a desperate, like oh, just yeah. attempt at survival. Like, <laughs> like just, okay, every week we got done. And I was like, I don't feel great about how that went, nor do I feel great about what we're going into next week. At yeah. this point, I will say like, even with the camp looming in front of us of like, oh my God, we have a giant hobgoblin camp. Well, that's not great. You know, to Andrew's point, as like, oh my god, are we ever going to survive? Like, it feels like we reached a, a small amount of. Okay, all right, well, we're doing okay. I could be worse. I think I have a reason for that, and I think it has to do with agency. You mentioned at the beginning that you felt the earliest encounters were the hardest, but that's because you didn't have an out. You, right. Your goal was to get out like there was right. no death every other future encounter <laughs> barring a few uh until it got you know we were stayed longer than we should have perhaps th we could have taken retreating as an option or going a different way you know we had a certain degree of agency about halfway through the story about what hexes we're exploring and what objectives we <clears throat> want to accomplish now i think that the survival story that feeling of desperation is definitely there and carries over for the first couple of episodes. And I think it's prolonged because Aiden doesn't understand. He doesn't have that. And so that whole in-between time when we go back to Feindar and then realize how really in it we are, and then we start trying to get provisions, and slowly we work back up to a point where I feel like our PCs got comfortable, but I don't think that that's recent. I think that that was about midway through the story. And I think a lot of that is because we took control of the narrative. And so once we had a better ability to figure out where we wanted to go and what we wanted to accomplish... 
um, there's a certain sense of even maybe if it's false, a certain sense of security that rises up with that. That if things sure. get too tough, we can go away. You know, like for example, right. Niari is literally considering just going back to Last Wall because that's now an option that she can entertain. That wasn't an option she could entertain when we first started this. It just right. wasn't possible. Yeah, the the path there would have been too dangerous, and God knows if she could have made it through Nirmathis or through the Fangwood Forest. And now I think she feels a certain level of comfort and familiarity with how to deal with the hobgoblins and the trauma. That that's an option that marks something in the characters and for us as players a certain level of security in our situation. So I think that that's a recent development for sure. So we healed Ilika way too early, is what you're saying? That like if we want to keep Nayari. Yeah as as a as a pc in our group uh we need to um harm Ilika in some way to 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 keep her tied like like she has to stay with us because she couldn't possibly make that journey with a wounded Ilika. (laughs) uh we need to figure out how to repossess Ilika. um (laughs) and i think like i think veld could help us with that and so you know we're definitely gonna have to talk to veld next time about repossessing Ilika with a (laughs) harmful entity to keep nayari tied to to our group <laughs> well it's funny that you guys were talking about how you feel l- less concerned about I feel survival more. i feel, I feel more, more because really? of what yeah. happened with Ilika. like before if nayari had died there's nobody that's gonna mourn her she doesn't have any relations but now that Ilika is back that's I'm when like Ilika terrible. becomes your new player character <laughs> right she I has just, like a level in uh what i don't remember shaman, shaman, shaman. Yeah, yeah shaman now yeah i just don't want like and i know that i wouldn't really be a part of it because nayari would be gone but i don't want to have to hear it because i don't like being sad like that like i don't want you guys to have to go back and tell her that nayari is dead and oh my gosh oh, oh no and, and i don't want to theros and Jin. i'm like so afraid of theros dying and then we have to go back and be like <laughs> Jin. <laughs> so like she'd be like morning Jin, and then and then Aura would be like, allow me to introduce myself. I'm all healed up. Strangely, I have gotten over my wounds. I am here to help you. I'm pretty sure you need to roll your fifty percent to oh. see if your jaw is locked that day or not. Right. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. um, it's funny because I also feel uh, not for any story reason, but I feel less in control because Aiden is not a character who is in control very often. He's much more prone to his emotions than I am as a person. And how, like, for example, like Elwood would have been much more level-headed throughout most of this and much more, like, grounded and we have to do this, we have to do that. Aiden's young, man, and he doesn't know what has to be done and i think that we're about to approach a shift and this will be a critical moment for him because i think uh i'm going to try to shift him to being more methodical in his approach and really try to be super tactical about how he approaches this camp which will be stepping out of his comfort zone but up until that point i feel really uneasy uh because he could die <laughs> and I know that we're getting to like the next level is the one where I'll feel a lot more safe about my position. But right now I just feel like there's a few things that I just don't have in my advantage that I would want. Hobgoblins aren't my favorite enemy yet. You know, I don't get that plus two. So mechanically I'm more worried.
worried. And as a kid, like playing Aiden, I think he's at a point that's a little bit more worried about it. So I think a lot of that bleeds over and carries over to my feeling of of difficulty. It's a, it's a real challenge in a lot of ways, role-playing this character, undergoing a transition, and then also trying to figure out how to deal with what is really an insurmountable task. If we fail this, I don't think we could win in a full assault. I don't think our party members are strong enough yet. I think that they'll get to a point, because BCs tend to, but we're not there yet, and so I I still feel the, the not yet feeling a lot, and that definitely makes me think that we're facing some difficult struggles. I mean, it's been skin of the teeth, narrow biting twice, where, where two rolls made all the difference. The last fight at the shrine obviously became dangerously close, but the dead mother was dangerously close, and I think the only reason that we did that was obviously because Niari and Volus's success, but right before Aiden got down, he had a critical, which got rid of mm. that combatant. Mm. He was full HP if Jason was telling me correct, or, or at the very least pretty healthy. He wasn't and, full HP, but he had a decent amount. Yeah, he was pretty healthy. The action economy helped Niari and Volus be able to win that on a 2v1. A 2v2, it could have been a different story. Mm-hmm. And so that one I knew as a player, just because of game knowledge, was pretty darn close. Same thing happened with that War Priest fight. It was really, really to the wire. Like, um, because Theros' AC was so low that mm-hmm. all he had to do was kill one more PC. And then he could create enough distance between him and Niari, even though she had the higher speed, it could have taken a really drastic turn pretty quickly. That that could have ended very badly. So I, I definitely don't feel safer. <laughs> I just feel the pressure of survival is less. That's and to that yeah. point is something interesting that I was thinking about is in both of the situations that there's, that there's been a near TPK, we've you guys have basically decided not to run. Yes. Like in a lot of situations, half the party goes down, the other half of the party is at the moment where they're like, okay, maybe we just leave, like yeah. cut our losses because we're all going to die. But so far, it's both of the situations have been so close that you guys have wanted to stick around to see if you could do it. And it was a high risk, high reward decision both times. Uh-huh. I think a large part of that, though, is because of the characters that we brought into this. Niari's got guilt. Aiden wants to prove himself. Theros is seeking this, you know, balance and trying to do good by people. And Orin is a hero in his own right. I think that it's because of that they all have it that stick with itness. That other PCs I've played, they were adventurers before they were heroes. We're ride know? or die. All yeah. right. So like, if we're gonna go <laughs> down, we're all going down together, kind of deal. I don't think any one of us is like, ah! cut our losses and leave. It's more like. Now we're gonna all go down swinging. Like if we're if we're gonna die, we're all gonna die. Well, right. I do have to point out that in the fight with the Den Mother, Nayari couldn't run because she didn't have dark vision nor any means of light. Yeah. Um, in the fight at the mound with the war priest, she wasn't going to run because the whole point that you guys like we were there for her in this ritual. So if she were to just run, like she she already felt enough guilt, kind of making you guys promise could to you do this. imagine if you did run if you were like i'm out of here no like, i'll just come back I later god every time you make that joke i die inside because it's always you always say it when it like wouldn't even be an inconvenience <laughs> to save Aiden. like it wouldn't even be an afterthought and i've played in tables where 
players have allowed my character to die when they didn't need to. And so, like, I understand that that happens. <laughs> so every time you joke like that, I get like, uh, uh please don't run away. Please so this is how it ends. <laughs> please, yeah. please, please cast Cure Light Wounds. <laughs> Talking... Go ahead. Uh, go, I, no, I was going to go a different direction, so what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that's also a staple of, of our group is uh, at least me having to say, I'm getting out of here like, <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a combat. <laughs> so when funny. it doesn't make any sense because like we're doing fine and I'm like, I'm right. getting out of here. <laughs> I love it. You were um, say it I was just going to mention, you know, talking about close calls, we didn't bring this up when we were talking about like good combat moments or like like on the edge combat moments but how about when theros first wild shaped into a badger and oh yeah like, he went down die. to like negative 11 or something con and we were freaking out we were like oh my gosh what are we doing Theros <laughs> was not. yeah nope. that was so close and when i listened back to that i i could actually see from andrew's perspective like what his hp was at and i was like Oh my gosh, he yeah. legit almost died. He was yeah. so close. Yeah. Oh, it, it just was one of those. <laughs> it was one of those surprise deaths that can happen in Pathfinder because sometimes you see the build up and you know it's going to happen, or your character's slowly bleeding out and it's a terrible reality. You have eight rounds to come to grips with, but it is amazing when it happens. Sometimes at these levels, a crit is enough to do you in. You know, boom, you're gone. And, and when that happens, it can be decidedly quick. And even at higher levels, when you have iterative attacks, if you get hit with a crit and then don't go down, you can mm -hmm. then also be pressed at death's door because they just have to do between 10 and 16, which is average damage at that mm -hmm. level on a single hit. Like, very doable that you perma die, and so um, it's when those happen when you there's no narrative sense to it. There's no expectation that this was going to happen. There's no lead up or crazy big bad evil that we knew it was just a rando that got you. That can that hurts more. I I, I know for a fact that hurts more. Right, uh, <laughs> like um, getting critted by a random hobgoblin. You're like this. This is how I die. Just yeah. a random <laughs> hobgoblin. At least give him a name. Like, he better get a name after this or something. Like, I don't know if you guys ever played, like, Shadow of Mordor, but, like, if your yeah. character yeah. gets killed by, you know, a random NPC, it gets promoted to an actual named character. And I'm like, if I get killed by a random goblin, Jason, just please name that goblin. Somehow have it escape so that it can come back so that my death meant something more than, wow, you got critted by a goblin. Yeah. You'll come across a goblin, a uh, hobgoblin that everybody has titled Dwarf Slayer. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, give him something cool, you know? That's such a cool title, though, actually. That is cool. Now I kind of want more of these things. <laughs> no, 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 So that we can fight Dwarf Slayer. Like, sorry, no dwarves here. <laughs> and then Baron comes out and shoots him with two guns. Ranger, <laughs> favorite enemy, dwarf. <laughs> so no. I know we're going to try to wrap this up by nine, but I did see in the Twitch chat before I had to reload that Sammy had asked a question, kind of turn changing gears a little bit, but he had mentioned something along the lines of like, what physical dice do you have that's your favorite or something? And then 
or like what dice would you use for this campaign? I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, what, what color, color are your in real life dice? Oh. And what kind of yes. die would you like to buy later? Okay, so I want to do this one because I love dice. So <laughs> I knew Sarah would be all over that. Jason just holds yeah. up a piece of paper and he's like, this is where I write, <laughs> I write down what dice roll I feel like giving. Right. <laughs> so my very first, like, metal dice i don't think this is gonna work but well maybe Ooh. it's like gun metal Ooh. with like blue, blue. So this yeah. is what i used oh, in jason's homebrew um for my unchained rogue that i played those and are cool and i bought oh no not that one for rise of the rune lords i bought to use as the gm and bought it's a darker gray but it's got red it's harder to see um, it's got red, and I was thinking like the blood of my PCs. <laughs> and then, good God! <laughs> and then my, blood of my PCs. <laughs> my Nayari dice, which I used a little bit, but now it's just easier to roll in roll twenty. Um, I use this for like one shots and stuff. It's it's the same like dark gray, but it's got purple numbers in it. So those are my metal dice, and then I've got a bag full of plastic dice that I like to pull out once in a while. All sorts of colors, but I love dice. I like metal dice. I like plastic dice. I just like dice. And it is it is hard not rolling physical dice, but again, roll 20 just makes it way too easier to add modifiers and buffs and all of that without having to, you know, halt the session and be like, "Let me add these 14d6 plus 37 and then oh shoot no I forgot I was blessed so let me add in blah 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 like it's just easier to let the computer do it and it keeps the flow going but I do love rolling physical dice it's good stuff so I don't know if anyone else has dice oh Jason my dice for so this is the die that I've been rolling for this campaign as GM it is a black and gold metal die it is properly weighted. weighted. I was gonna say it's properly weighted to never roll below a twelve. <laughs> I, I quite, I quite like it. Um, the die that I originally started doing when we started playing Rise of the Rune Lords was a purple and silver die. Ooh, I, I think you showed that before. That's awesome. Also metal. And then this is uh, the third die. This is one that Sarah got me specifically for Rowan. He's he grew up the son of a fisherman, so she got kind of like a, a bluish, like an ocean color with uh, kind of like a tin gold, but also Ooh. a metal dye. Ooh. That's nice. That is very so, nice. Those are the three that I, I use. I used to use a plastic set, but I've switched to these hence. So yeah, I, go. I for my dice. Oh, last year for the Rise of the Rune Lords group, I got each of them a set of metal dice. This was when we were meeting in person, and I tried to match the dice to the character. So, for example, Josh's character was an alchemist, so I got him a die that was kind of red and orange fading into one another, like his bombs were fire. Um, there was a wizard in the party who had cast the spell color spray a few times. So I got a die that was like rainbow colored. So it was kind of like a color spray. Um, and then I think this was when, was this when the monk was still alive? 
I want yeah. to say that it was. Yeah, so this is when the monk was still alive. He didn't last very long. He died. But um, <laughs> he, he had taken a style feat called Dragon Style. And so I found a die that had like dark red and black that reminded me almost like dragon, like a red dragon or whatnot. So, so I don't know what came first. If I started role playing or if I started collecting dice first, because I collected D sixes for a very, very long time, <laughs> which is ridiculous because I don't play any D six systems now and I don't use D sixes ever. Uh, but I have this bag of dice, which also has this bag of dice Holy crap. and more dice <laughs> all around. Or <laughs> there was a while where I get store I guess store credit as like a perk for being an employee, and there was a good chunk of it where every time I got store credit, I just bought a new set of dice or like twenty dice at a time. So I've got a huge dice pile. It all, I remember where it all kicked off. Um, my buddy, my coworker at the time, his name was Ryan. He we got these like giant pound of dice by Chessex and on the inside was blind packaging for one mystery set but you had to buy the whole pound of dice to get that one mystery set and he was like listen I don't need a pound of dice I'm never going to use dice ever in my life but I have to know what's in that secret packaging (laughs) 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 and I was like Sounds like a personal problem. And he goes, no, Josh, I have a proposition. And it's a good bargain for you. You buy it. For 50% <laughs> off. I'll pay the other half. You can have all of the dice, but I get the blind package. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll take it. And so that, that kicked off, and I have a whole big collection of Chessex dice. Sarah's bought me dice, and I have a habit of buying a pair of dice for every character that I play, a new, a new set. <laughs> so even for one-shots, they'll, they'll get resin. They don't get the full treatment. Um, but uh, the ones I was particularly proud of, I had these like pink emerald gold ones that I did for a character named Raul. Who I really, really loved, and uh, he got his—he got an old set of pink and gold dice. Sarah gifted me the ones for Vindel. I plan on getting some for uh, Aiden, but it's gonna—it's gonna take a while because I think I'm gonna splurge on wooden dice for him. I think he's the character that will get that kind of treatment. One day I want stone dice uh, and to expand my collection of metal die, but I've got a lot, I've got a ton. I'm still looking for dice. I've got three characters that need one, Jerome and uh, what's his face, Preacher. Preacher, who's probably my current favorite character. He's an inquisitor of Desna, so it shouldn't be too hard to find a good color palette for him. Um, and then Aiden needs a set. And I think I'm gonna get either, either like a green earthy tone or, or an actual wooden set of die. So all kinds of dice I use. Most of my dice are also D6s, but they're little small ones because I play Warhammer and mm. you have to roll like 36 D6 Holy in that God. game pretty pretty frequently. You have to roll a lot of D6. And so it's a lot easier to keep them under control if you just roll the small ones versus the larger ones. So all of mine are very themed uh, to the different Warhammer armies that I have. And uh, 
Like I have green and black for my Necrons. I have uh, blue for my Space Marines, and so. But they're all very, very, very small little D sixes that that I have. I don't have a whole lot of other dice besides that. <laughs> I'm not a dice addict. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I know that you have some. I just have one set. I used to have a couple. I don't know where they went. Probably lost them after I moved. Um, because I, I bought a set when I played with Justin back in the day. Don't know what happened to it. I bought a set after that because I lost them. I don't know what happened to those. So the current <laughs> set that I have that are not in this room because we don't use them uh, are just a pair of plastic um, black dice with like white speckles on it. Kind of looks like stars. So it mm-hmm. had this like space kind of look to it. I got it from Pops Culture Shop. Thank you, Josh. Uh, and uh, that's all I have. But I would eventually... If we if I get to a point where we where we play in person, or if I ever play in person with with somebody, I might buy some metal dice at some point. So, moral of the story: do not buy or gift dice to Andrew because he will lose them. He doesn't know where they go. <laughs> he'll take a set and he'll just I not know where they some went. Some of them might be with our with the Pathfinder stuff that's at your house, Justin. That is a very good assumption because I haven't looked in those boxes in a while. I think we just like <laughs> to keep everything together back when we were playing. Yeah. So it could very likely be there. With that, yeah. And the first That's set, I think I just got lost in the move when I moved from Blossburg. I do have to say that Jason and I purchased some materials that I'm a little excited about. So Jason bought a new AP Hell's Rebels, which, you know, maybe in five years we'll get to play that. Who knows? But I bought a module that is supposed to take you from first level to sixth level. So it's a longer module. And I think it takes place. I can't remember exactly, but I think it takes place in like the Mwangi Expanse, which is like jungle. Oh, I love the Mwangi Expanse. Are you sure? It's not second edition, is it? Mm-mm. No. Oh, because no. I would say second edition uh, went to the Mwangi Expanse most recently with one of their main APs, mm. and uh, the whole thing is set there. And they did a whole like the source book. There's a lot more information about it than there used to be. There's like about the different people groups and the cultures that are there. Really cool. I might want to look there for inspiration. Yeah. So just a little a little snippet of you know if our group ever gets to a point in Iron Fang where we want to do a little side thing who knows maybe maybe a module is in our future yep yours yeah. is, is in sargava which is part of the Mwangi expanse ah uh, yeah so if you run hell's rebels i'll have to run hell's vengeance <laughs> man i don't know how i would do playing a, an evil campaign i feel like that'd be hard for me to do i think yeah. so i actually literally just somebody today at the store who had come in uh three guys that came was some cool elitists who had played since the first edition days and was a big AD&D fan, so really liked second edition a lot, original second edition. But we were talking, and one of them played a lot of Pathfinder, and he was saying that he had run Hell's Vengeance, and that he really enjoyed it, but he was like, man, (laughs) my PCs did some gruesome stuff. (laughs) Like, it was... It was tough. Yeah, I don't like, think I could do an evil campaign. <laughs> yeah, he was saying it was it was surprising how evil it is. Because not to be super spoilery, but it takes place pretty much shortly after Hell's Rebels, and you switch sides basically, and are playing the evil guys from there out. And he was saying it was really hard 
to like facilitate that because they do some crazy stuff in, in the uh, or you can in the AP for sure. I'd have to be like a lawful evil killer or something. Yeah, I think you could play a merc. I don't think you could play anyone else. I'm not sure it's in you. I don't, I don't think you could uh, channel what needs to be channeled. You're too kind. <laughs> well, it is nine o'clock, and this has been a ton of fun. Um, we will be taking next week off for the holidays, but in the meantime, I'm glad that we had this chance to chat Pathfinder and we'll have to do this again. Cause it's a lot of fun just to recap and go yeah. over good moments. And yeah. you know, it's, this thing has been a blast. So from me to everyone who is out there or will be watching later, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year. And we will pick this back up with part four on I think January fifth, yeah, something like that. Nice. January fifth at six thirty, maybe on the dot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what life brings in two weeks or three weeks. Or, yeah, two weeks. Be wow, there, and we'll be full steam ahead after that. So, yeah, yep. have a good Absolutely. one, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays, yep. Merry Christmas. Hope you all enjoy. Merry your time Christmas, your Happy holidays. <laughs>